Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day. Just, so for anybody who doesn't know the difference between, we, Josh and I were just talking, mm-hmm. if you're just tuning in now, to, uh, about bugs and about the difference between wasps and bees and how fucking evil bees are and how silly it is that he, vegans don't eat honey. Yes. Well, I mean, I, I, like I said, I, I, the only time I've ever been stung by a bee is because I accidentally stepped on it. You know what I mean? Like it's dancing around in the clovers and the, yeah. the grass and I didn't, I just didn't, didn't see it. But otherwise, like bumblebees, most bees, besides like African killer bees, as far as I know, like most bees are not aggressive. Oh, sorry. Jesus, Brian. Honeybee thing went crazy. Yeah, epic music. It's like attacking Mordor. They want to let you know there's some shit going down. They're not comfortable in just showing you the video. They but wasps are gnarly. There's wasps that, uh, like uh, tarantula hunters, they, they capture, they get a tarantula, they sting it, and paralyze it, and then insert their their offspring into it, and then it hatches out of the spider. I mean, that's a pretty fucked up animal. That's gangster. That is super gangster. It's hard as shit. It's very metal. Yeah, they um, they take tarantulas off. They carry them away. Mm. They sting them. They poison them. Like tarantulas never beat wasps. Apparently, I watched no. a, a gang of videos and it was all no, the wasp always comes in from the, from from the area that it can't get to. You know, it gets yeah. on its back and it's it. It's done. They just sting the shit out of them. They can do it multiple multiple times and then they carry them away. Um, this is these Japanese these giant wasps. They find these honeybees, and so they just go up to them and start just cutting them in half. Wow, they cut wow. all of them in half. These, I think there's like 30 of these wasps, and they kill hundreds and hundreds of bees. Wow. Whoa. It'll tell you the, the exact numbers of how many it killed, probably in the YouTube descriptions. But these things are monsters, man. And they just come in and kill. That's all they do. I mean, they're just coming in and j- performing genocide on these honeybees. It doesn't seem like they're eating them. I mean, I don't know what they're doing. They're just killing them. That's crazy. So they can get to the honey, huh? Un- I guess. Unabated. Is that what it is? is I, it, I, or, I, or are they mortal enemies? I, but <clears throat> look at them. That's crazy. They're gnarly as shit, man. They, those are some mean sons of guns. They look like a cartoon. Like when you see that big, flat, stupid face, those mm-hmm. dark black eyes, they look almost cartoonish. And these things are relentless. You, you can only imagine that if, if let's say, if, these bees happen to get it together enough to take one down. Like it yeah. wouldn't even matter. They would. There is no retreat in these things. Obviously, I think you know it's beautiful that people have compassion, but I think they really underestimate how fucked up these organisms are. Just nature in general. Yes. Nature is a brutal, sadistic son of a bitch that has no feelings. Yeah, and nature doesn't favor the weak. No, you know, not you at better, all. You got to get the fuck up. You got to wake up. You got to get shit going. You want to stay alive? You got to keep moving. Nature and, is not looking out for you. And nature doesn't, it tries to, to ha, you know, essentially nature is usually a fairly balanced system, but it can become unbalanced easily upon, upon its own self. But however, we have had a huge impact as, as mankind in terms of ruining the way nature uh, offsets itself. But, you know, sometimes I think humanity could step in for the right reasons, you know? Yeah, I think so too. Sometimes. But you know what? We also have to realize we're a part of nature. Mm-hmm. We're just so delusional. We think that because we're in cities, we're not a part of the, part of the ecosystem. Mm-hmm. We're 100% a part of it. Absolutely. We're, just, we're lucky those little things are little. Exactly. Or there's not so many of them that they could just swarm a person every, you know, a couple minutes and just sting them to death. What was the numbers, Brian? 30,000 honeybees they killed. How many bees? 30,000. No, how many be- how many uh, wasps? Are thirty. Thirty wasps <clears throat> killed thirty thousand bees. And the bees just have no idea of. They have, can't defense. do anything. It's like a wolf in a room of kittens. That's the difference. It's insane. It's, insane. it's gonna be a song when I have my wolf band write its new of kittens. new EP. <laughs> <laughs> 
Do you believe in the whole honeybee thing? Do you think that's a, a, a serious problem? Well, I, I certainly believe in it because it's a scientific fact. Right. The numbers have dropped. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're, they're narrowing it down to several things. They think there has been disease. But they also think that it's, without a doubt, that bees are having a hard time with cell phones. And that it, it's an issue. Oh, I, cell phones are messing up with bees' ability to navigate. Yeah, that it's real. I mean, can you oh. imagine, like, imagine living in the, the world that we live in now, where you could sit on your back porch and just kind of chill and quiet, and then all of a sudden, a constant, was going through the air. I mean, it's almost, that's what it's like for these honeybees. They've lived forever with no signals in the air, and then all of a sudden, within a hundred years, there's all this crazy interference. And they're sensitive enough to pick up on it. Well, they're so sensitive. Check this out. We were filming Fear Factor, these honeybees that we used in uh, one of the stunts. Oh, don't tell me you made them. We covered die. people with honeybees. The, the guy's a beekeeper. He knows what he's doing. But what happened is, during the, like, he takes care of this whole colony of bees. Well, during, they're his, he brings them everywhere, they stay at his home, he has this giant honeycomb mm-hmm. set up, and then he can bring them out places, but when he brings them out places, occasionally they, they interact with the locals. Mm-hmm. So, this huge cloud of honeybees that we're using, and all of a sudden this other huge cloud <laughs> comes in, and the crazy thing is the guy recognized what was happening, and he's like, everybody, we gotta get off the set, they gotta walk, they gotta talk this through. Like, they don't go to war, bees never go to war, but they have to figure out who the fuck is who. And so they come in and go, what are you guys doing here? And they're like, hey, we're SAG. We're just here working. We're working on this. <laughs> we're on a show. And they're like, what show is this? It's Fear Factor. Is it on TV? Yeah. Is that that shit that's in the air that's fucking with us? <laughs> yeah, that's that shit, man. And so they, they talked it out for like an hour. We had to wait before we resumed filming. By the time it was done, they were SAG eligible, though. <laughs> <laughs> they, were, they were working in the kitchen. They, uh, they were stuntmen. They, they fucking, it was really interesting, man, because they swarmed together and just started, like, smelling each other and communicating in whatever way they can. But the area that we were at was also an area where you didn't get any cell phone signal. Uh-huh. But I'm sure you got everything else. Yeah. I'm sure you still get radio, radio waves, waves and TV waves. Bluetooth TV and waves. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Who knows what the fuck all that stuff is doing to the environment? You know? We us. don't know. I guess, I guess we'll find out. But do you, do, you think, yeah, do you think it's something that if we, like, the, like, like that old uh, Einstein quote, supposedly, where he says that if you eliminated bees from the planet, mankind would soon perish. Do you believe it's like to that point of like distinct... I they would have a very negative impact, but I don't huge. think we would perish. I think we're just too obstinate and shitty to perish. Like we can make shit like honey now, right? Yeah. Like By the way, honey. how about well, this Monsanto guy being so vocal? Is, like, good, good the question. other two times I have actually been on the show, he sat there in the corner and acted like he didn't exist. He's getting used to you. He's getting comfortable with you. You're an intimidating guy. But the uh, Monsanto has come up with artificial bees. They've created artificial like a little bees. little robot bee that like works on solar it's, power. It's the uh, it's the real doll of bees. <laughs> exactly. Does, you it, imagine? does it have every hole? The only one. Oh. Only the honey hole. Only the honey hole. Well, that's <laughs> the only one that counts, really, I guess. That's the sweetest one. That's what you're looking for. Yeah. And that's why it's named so aptly. Could you imagine if you were by a fucking field and you saw flowers and a swarm of little robot bees come in and they're pollinating everything? You'd be like, what the fuck are we witnessing? Some Russian kid's going to upload a virus to make them like, just come down as a bullet. All together, yeah, a something like that. Bees. Well, I, you know what? Usually, little, little hackers—they yeah. they don't even think so big. They're just like, "How about we just make them all make fart noises?" They might do yeah. that. That's more their speed. <laughs> usually, you know, it's like, "Oh, awesome. hey, I heard you really like this video game. Oh, yeah, cool, buddy. Let me send you this 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 trick that's going to help you play it better." Like, <laughs> Why are you such an asshole? 
You know, it's a video game. It's supposed to be fun. Quit trying to give me a virus, dickhead. There's a lot of people out there trying to give viruses. When you ever see the number of viruses that have, and all of them have been created, mm-hmm. none, of, yeah. none of them are just like people got sick right. and they got a virus in their computer. I mean, somebody fucking had to hash that shit out. Yep. Design it, implement it, figure out a way to sneak it into people's Maybe Microsoft redesign Word it. files. Oh, let's make it better. Yeah, I got I, one once on just on a, a fucking Word file that like, uh, you know, a, a, an executive sent me. Mm-hmm. You know, and I open up the Word file without running a scan on it. This was back in the Windows days. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I had this fucking virus. A Word, Microsoft Word file from a friend. Whatever like, happened? He had an infected email. Whatever happened to giving viruses the old-fashioned way? Yeah, earning it. Yeah, you know, like some sort of sore on your penis. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Earn it with lies. <laughs> Earn it with <laughs> lies. Do you know that they've, uh, for the first time ever, figured out a way uh, to, or they, they have gotten uh, herpes out of blood? They um, have, like, apparently they're on their way to a cure. Yeah, herpes it's in trial of... right now. So Interesting. Like... You know, the funny thing about herpes is if there's so much to laugh about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> hey, what if somebody's herpes sword looked like Jesus? Now, I would like to see that. I wonder if people would worship it. <laughs> or would they be like, you know, we need you to have an outbreak, so we're going to stress you out and make you drink a lot until, <laughs> until one pops back up. Yeah, herpes virus cleared from the blood for the first time. This is on New Scientist. It's not on, like, some... World conspiracy and review.com. This is real shit, apparently. Um, cytomegalovirus, that's mm-hmm. what you call it. Type of her- CMV, type of herpes virus, is carried by about 70% of people. Wow. Although it usually doesn't cause illness, it shaves 3.7 years off life expectancy. Whoa. How, how weird is that? Well, I guess a ton of us have herpes uh, based on, like, if you ever had chicken pox, that's a type of herpes. Yeah. And you could get shingles later on in life, potentially. Yeah. And then, you know, they're grapplers with the herpes gladiatorium, and then everybody else with the herpes on the ding-ding, so, and, or just regular cold sores. Like, it's it's such a, just a rampant thing. Is that yeah. your story? Are you sticking to that one? <laughs> <laughs> that's, I'm sticking to it. Sticking Everybody's to got it, it honey. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, it's no What, you don't have it? What, you want to be left out? What this is fuck? fascinating. Like a mutant. That this stuff is, uh, 70% of the people have it, and it takes 3.7 years off life expectancy. I did not know that. Yeah, that's uh, that's not good. Mm-mm. I mean, that's not a lot of years. I wonder if that's a, actually a, a figure, uh, a stat based on those who maybe get shingles later on, and it kills them. Uh, Does shingles kill people? If, oh, man, it will ruin you. God, and I've apparently it. it is the worst. And you can get it at any point in your life. It could just pop up. And uh, it, it, it clusters, I guess, around uh, where nerve endings are, nerve nerve uh, pairings are. And so it's incredibly painful to the touch to where you could, if you had it across your chest or whatever, if you had just putting a, having a shirt touch it is excruciating. A, a friend oh. of uh, a friend of my, my, my family a long time ago, he was like 33 years old maybe, maybe 30, and somehow he... Boom, he came out with shingles. And he's just like, dude, everybody had to quarantine him. No one could get near him because it's highly infectious. And then after the fact, he's just going, it was brutal. He goes, this is something that 75-year-old men get. I'm 30 or whatever. This is ridiculous. But it was the worst experience of my life. Was he a grappler? No, no, no. He's just a regular dude. He's just a construction guy, concrete. And just, I don't know what it was that caused it. Fuck. But it it did. That's the the one thing that creeps me out about, like, mats. Like mm. when you're grappling. I've mm-hmm. got staff before and I've gotten ringworm before Ditto. and you're rolling with a bunch of stinky, dirty dudes. And every now and then one of them's got a bug. When you rolled at a gym that had Matt Horwich all the time. So. <laughs> yeah. So you're yeah. like increasing that by like threefold. Well, there was a dude who used to go to my jujitsu gym that I, what I found out was he was putting like bleach on his skin after Ugh. he would get ringworm. And so he had these giant patches of it. It wasn't going away. Oh and it 
was yeah. they were like it was like burns. He had like burns on his body. And finally, we had to talk to him. We're like, "What are you doing? Like, you have, you have ringworm. Like, first of all, you shouldn't be training. Second of all, like you're doing something to your ringworm. What are you doing? He's like, I was pouring bleach on it. You were like, look, right. you need to go to a doctor. Like, you need to get some Lamisil. You need to get some antifungal. You don't need to be pouring bleach on your I don't open remember skin. reading on the back of the Clorox bottle and saying having <laughs> ringworm treatment as being one of the uses. Maybe you should have used the toilet gel instead. Some dudes also make a mistake, and this is a big one, of using antibacterial soap. Like, you got to be careful about that because you want to keep healthy skin flora. Mm-hmm. So you want to use, like, there's a, a company called Defense Soap that's really good. Oh, they're the, the best. The and best. I know you use their yeah. salve for uh, for tattoos even. And I yeah. use it for all scrapes and stuff. A lot of MMA gear, I know they like the speed and usage of doing Velcro on stuff. But I tell you what, if it's not taped properly or whatever, those, those hooks just will scrape the shit out of your skin and just dig right into you. And so you're covered and it looks like you got into a fight with, like, 8,000 cats. Yeah, and that opens up and gets infected. Right. The next thing you that know. That defense soap gets rid of it. That The defense soap salve will make that stuff heal up really fast. Really fast. You know, that's really interesting. They found that about um, Komodo dragons. They used to think that Komodo dragons had toxic saliva. Mm-hmm. But now they realize that it's just the septic, the environment is so fucking moist. And, and all they have to do is just bite an animal. Mm-hmm. And an open wound in that environment is a death sentence. It's just microbes and all the shit water that these uh, water buffalo like live in. They, mm-hmm. they live in this shitty water. They shit in it and they piss in it. And I think they, they they do. They're, they're like big on just rimming each other too. You know, just <laughs> getting all that fecal matter in there, and you know, it helps relax the other dragons too. Yeah. Well, the the Komodo dragons they bite them, and then the water and whatever gets in the wound of the water buffalo, mm-hmm. and then he dies poisoned. But it's poisoned because of the environment. Right. It's not even poisoned because of the animal itself. It's something they just and recently... And it doesn't bother the dragon. It doesn't bother the lizard. They're and fucking one. so foul, those things. <laughs> they open their mouth up, and they have these just webs of saliva attached to the lower teeth of the upper teeth. Just They're fucking evil. I think I've been with a girl Ooh. like that. <laughs> she had braces? Uh, no, no, man. I, yeah, you uh, open it, you just you drop the drawers, and you open yeah. it up, and it was just like a giant web. It looked like you know an alien dropping mucus everywhere. Like that scene and when I, the yeah. tongue comes out? Yeah, yeah, and it had the little snapper on the end, too. Oh, Jesus, Louisas. We're a tungsten-plated condom. War stories. <laughs> Serious war <laughs> stories. This is good news about herpes. That's it good. is. It sounds like herpes is really bad, especially that shingles, man. That's a motherfucker. Yeah, and then, like I said, you know, I mean, it's uh, chicken pox is the kind of thing where, where um, parents often, oh, well, hey, this, this kid's got it. I'm going to send my kids over there to play with them because you want them to get over it at an early age because if you catch chicken pox when you're older, it can be lethal or you know cause a lot of uh, difficulty for for older. It's, it only gets worse. I caught it at 24 and it was miserable. Yeah, not fun. Yeah, there's a lot of fucking diseases out there, man. That's what's really weird. There are. You know, there's a Middle East respiratory virus. Have you heard of that? Middle East respiratory virus. Is that Res- like you, you choke? Syndrome? Like you get too much hummus up your nose? <laughs> it's, it's something about camel farts. Uh. There's a there's a disease that it's it kills a very high number of people that get it. There've been relatively small cases, uh, but I think it's in Saudi Arabia mostly. But fifty percent of the people that got it are dead. It's, That's terrible. Yeah, it's not good. It's a respiratory disease called MERS, M-E-R-S. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's one of the ones that uh, I talked to some infectious disease experts about on the sci-fi show that I did. And they were like, this is a really troubling disease. Because if it got New York, if it infected New York, and so far it hasn't spread. But if it did, you're talking about like half the population dead. What's the root of it? Like where does it come from? 
Um, let's find out. <clears throat> That's probably a good idea. But um, I think it's just some new respiratory virus. I think it's I think it's a combination of of oil hitting like massive amounts of money. Probably <laughs> like that. Some sort of it, chemical interaction between the be. ink on all these hundred dollar bills. Middle East respiratory syndrome. And it's a viral respiratory illness first reported in Saudi Arabia in 2012. It's caused by the coronin, corona, the coronavirus called MERS-CoV. Most people have been confirmed to have MERS-CoV infection, develop severe acute respiratory illness. They had fever, cough, shortness of breath, and half of these people died. Hmm. About half of these people died. Damn, That's fucking crazy shit, dude. This is uh, this is a weird one. I wonder if Saudi Arabia also like beat out all the other Arabic countries in negotiation over getting this virus. <laughs> Would get how much you pay for that, bro? Well, you know what the people that that study diseases say. You're way like the idea of humans making some sort of a, mm -hmm. an incredible, powerful, potent device or virus is nothing compared to what Mother Nature is going to do on her own. They're like, make no mistake about it. Like, these people that work in the, like, there's level four labs mm -hmm. that are working on Ebola virus and shit. They're like, it's just, it's not a matter of if. Like, it's coming. Mm -hmm. Like, there's going to be a pandemic. Well, sure, every day, every minute, every second, Mother Nature is having viruses interact and splice and evolve. And mm -hmm. and it, with no intent or, or reason, it's just that that is their, the way that the these things are created to function. So they just go about... Their 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 function, doing what they're supposed to do, and and with that it creates you know the potential for creating super viruses. Yeah, they they that's what's really important. They they're constantly changing, like they they're constantly evolving, and that's the thing that you know when Who people. Who do you think's gonna die first, the vegans? <laughs> Most likely. Yeah. yeah, they don't have you need meat to stay alive when the shit hits the fan, in my opinion. Um, I think that. There's, West Hollywood's gonna just be evaporated off the face of the earth. Is there a lot of vegans in West Hollywood? Oh, a massive, fake. massive, massive amount. Well, no, okay, They're here's the thing. You know, I, I, think that, uh, I think that one of the biggest reasons for this the the amount of vegan and vegetarianism that that is all throughout you know Hollywood, West Hollywood, West LA, whatever, all the way to Santa Monica and all that is is not one. First, it's girls, women. And and then their boyfriends end up hooking up with some hot chick, and they're like, "Well, f I guess I'm now a vegan." <laughs> so uh, and two, the, and why these why these women are uh, are so hot on this vegan stuff is, I mean, sure, there's plenty of pro propaganda that makes it sound, uh, you know, like you're not hurting the animals and and that it's a cleaner way to live and right. so on. But really, nothing is a clean way to live unless you yourself are buying whether it meat or not, like the cleanest sources, cooking the food yourself, avoiding processed foods of any sort. But I think it is because these chicks, they, they, they go and they, they're like, well, by being a vegan, I can intake less calories and stay skinnier longer. I'm basically How just— How dare you, Josh Barnett? You think that they don't care about the animals? You I think, think they're that, really just trying to keep their ass small? I think so. That's I think that the animals so come sexist. into it so, so, so much <laughs> less than the fact of like, well, actually, hey, you know, I, uh, I can stay skinnier this way by, by eating less food. And I can make myself feel better about uh, how big my ass is not going to get— by chomping on a few carrots here and there. I think it's more of an ideology thing, like you're trying to be a kind person. I think mm. if I had a guess, I think it's more it that It could start that way, but as weight. soon as they're like, oh my God, these jeans still fit. Maybe. And then the dudes, they just, they're just weak and they just go along with the woman. Is that what it is? Often. Mostly. Often. There's a lot of that out there. And that's an unfortunate thing that we're not supposed to admit. 
We're some, not supposed to admit that there's a lot of bitch ass dudes out there. That's like true. if you talk about that, like somehow or another you're an asshole or you're a bully or you're arrogant. Sure. Or, also, a, pussy is a powerful motivator. So they're like, oh my God, look at this wannabe actress. And exactly. Her, her, I'm sure her vagina is, is like a diamond studded gate to heaven and I need to be a part of that. And so they, they go ahead and go, well, you know, I guess I don't eat animals anymore either. And, and when I talk about like my willingness like, like, or a, a person's willingness to go along exactly with what a woman wants them mm-hmm. to do, it's based on the fact that I've done it in the past. Oh, yeah. Nobody, you know? nobody here on this show right now is speaking from some superior position in that yeah. we've never been there. Oh, oh, oh yeah. You any time you've stayed at that party way too long, you're like, I, I think it's gonna happen. It's no, no, this is and then you walk home, you're like, I'm a fucking idiot. Now I got no sleep, no pussy, no nothing. God damn it. Absolutely. And we've all been in a situation where a girl's breaking up with us mm-hmm. and we don't want her to and we feel like the biggest piece of shit is the crushing confidence destroyer. It's it's a devastating thing. I understand the why a man would want to change his position. Of course. And then I understand there's also men that really do have those positions man, and they really yes. do not want to hurt animals. Absolutely. And they really, I know the difference. Mm-hmm, I know too. the well thought out position and I know the white knight. The yeah. the white knights are brutal. Right. Those because they they when you debate with them, all their arguments fall apart because they haven't really thought it out. Well, they They're don't really have. It, yeah, they have the no moral foundation. High ground. They have no real foundation at which to to base their arguments to really put their faith in, so to speak. And so, you know, you start confronting them with 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 the with reasons, and they're just like, well. I don't really have anything to stand on because I've never really taken it that far. I don't really believe that strongly, and I don't know my for myself. But it's also there's a reality about agriculture in this country, and that reality is farming is literally what got us to the 21st century. Mm-hmm. Like, if we didn't have that, we would never have a kind of country like this. Like, if, do you know how hard it is to actually hunt and gather? It's incredibly hard. Now you're going to take out yeah, the Yeah, all hunting. the kids that are all into paleo, yeah. there's so many of them would just be done. You're dead. Finished. Most of us would be dead. That's why people only live to be 30. Yeah. It's fucking brutal life. Chasing after food all the time is a brutal life. And you don't get to figure out anything. You don't get to make <laughs> the wheel. You don't figure out the typeset. You don't know how to write books. None of that happens because no. you're fucking hunting and gathering no all day. No porn on the internet yeah. for free. So they figured out how to keep animals close by. Mm-hmm. And that meant we had a massive source of protein and people got way larger. People are way larger than in other countries yes. where they don't have the kind of protein that we have. People got smarter. They got healthier. They, they lived longer. And on top of that, we figured out how to make a lot of shit along the way. Of course. Because civilization the, right, had been Right, because now we're spending so much little time chasing after our food and stopping from being killed all the time. Yeah. Then now we can use energy to, I don't know, maybe create penicillin and and you know aspirin and whatever else is necessary to to survival i I, you know when i watch old movies uh or i should say period pieces where it's like medieval or whatever and i start thinking not only do they not have any toilet paper or you know plumbing there but the idea that one nick from any little thing and all of a sudden i'm dead i got i got a bacterial infection and and now I just died from, from tetanus or anything else. Yeah, but well, you get real bad staff, and you don't get any treatment at no, all. you're, you're toast. done. Uh-uh. That's a painful death. One of Brian Callen's friends, his girlfriend, I believe it was, she had a staph infection and tried to treat it holistically, in mm-hmm. air quotes, mm-hmm. and fucking oh, died. Jesus. She fucking died, man. And, and Brian apparently had seen her during the process and talked to both of them and said, get her to a hospital. Yeah. Like, what, are you, what the fuck are you guys doing? 
Like, people don't understand the severity of some of the shit that's out there. Uh, but my point is, nature's a motherfucker. Nature is a motherfucker. And it's not so as we simple as not eating meat. Because if you don't <laughs> eat, here's the thing, if you don't eat meat, something else is going to eat it. You have to realize that. If we're not all killing cows, the rise of predators will naturally take place. Because they're going to have to deal right. with the new numbers. I can already see where my, my friend's argument would come in. She's a, she's a vegetarian for... Um, her, I wouldn't even see necessarily for health reasons because she just makes all her own food anyway. So even if she ate meat, she would get grass fed, you know, no antibiotics. She so would just eat clean. Healthy. She's a clean person. Right. And, but even but uh, a long time ago, as a kid, like she just couldn't wrap her head around the idea of of killing an animal for food. When she felt, you know what, I actually I can get by without having to eat this animal. I can do it without that. And I will say this. She's one of the fittest, buffest, leanest, like most athletic, like not, I don't think most people's bodies can, can sustain itself on vegetarian. She's not a vegan, but just on a vegetarian diet alone and be that kind of athlete. However, uh, yeah, her argument would be, well, you know, if we, these cows would not be, um, in this farm raised setting and it would be, you know, there wouldn't be so many of them because we wouldn't be raising them. So it, it's an off-balanced scenario from the beginning that as soon as man comes in and farm raises them. But at the same time, my whole argument is always animals don't give a shit whether you eat them or don't eat them. And they don't give a shit whether you live or don't live. You know, they have they, – I'm not saying that you can't create rapports with animals. I've seen it. You've experienced it. We've done it with domesticated animals. You've seen people that have rescued wild animals, those lions that came back to the people and recognized them. I'm not saying that's not a possibility that animals can't have some sort of empathy or feeling of some sort, but for the most part, that that's the exception, man. That ain't the rule. Animals, if, it, if it's just everyone's just sitting around, you know, a cow could just for no reason just kick you right in the face and kill you, and it, it just keeps chewing its cut. It doesn't really care. Yeah, they don't give a fuck about you. No. And bulls will kill you, for sure. Absolutely. Just because you exist. <clears throat> and that's that's also very important for people who go in, like, Yellowstone or something like that. Mm-hmm. You see a bison. Oh, man. Do not Stay approach that goddamn away. thing. It will maul you to death. Yeah, and they, happily. They don't give a fuck. They don't feel bad. They don't trample you, and they no, feel really it's bad It's their instinct it. to do so. You yeah. know, it, it can prob- maybe it can pick up on something in, in the air from pheromones or whatever, but it's just, this is my area, and anything that comes into it, I'm just going to make a decision to destroy, you know? Yeah, I understand why people think the way they do, the people that want to be vegan and want to, you know, are animal rights advocates. I understand it entirely and 100%. I just think it's a short-sighted approach to uh, the love of nature. I think the idea of supporting animals over people is absurd. I, I think that as well. And the yeah. idea to ignore the impact that agriculture and livestock have had on feeding cities is absurd, too. It's mm-hmm. absurd. The, you know, is it possible to get vegan dinners? Yes, for a lot of people. However, if the entire fucking city decides to eat vegan, you've got a real goddamn problem on your hands. And that's a reality. You need, you need to change the way you get people food. You need to change how food gets in. You're, if you're feeding 20 million people and they're all going to go vegan, whoa. How long is that food going to last? Like, I don't think there's enough kale out there. There's not enough kale. No. All the yo- and yoga studios would increase dramatically. <laughs> <laughs> there's not, it's not a bad idea to love nature, but it's a bad idea to not respect the right. actual balance of nature. I think it's a better thought process and to, and to think of any specific, you know, uh, vegan or non-vegan diets. It's just, hey, you want to be healthier? One, don't put a bunch of processed shit in your body. Stop, yeah. you know, just because candy is considered vegan, don't do it. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't jam candy. a bunch of candy. Oh, man, I've known so many vegetarians that are pounding, you know, Reese's Pieces and bullshit into their face. And I'm like, how is that healthier? 
Like, okay, you don't kill an animal, but that animal should probably trample you just because, you know, whatever even comes out of your ass is probably so toxic it's destroying <laughs> the earth at this point. The Whatever the, the turns a red vine red, like as you process it and you shoot it out all over this this planet, you're I'm sure you've killed so many plants. That's funny. I actually read this in a quote about a story where there was a uh, broken line uh, and sewer, raw sewage was getting into the ocean water. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about the pollution of the ocean water. And someone in the comments actually wrote, if they were, p- more people were vegan, the sewage would be less toxic. <laughs> like, what? You think your broccoli shits are any less disgusting than someone who just ate a burger? It's all rotting waste, you silly fuck. Yeah, and, you know, if you... Uh if whatever wherever your shit is going, I mean, if it can, it can. The only, if only on land is it really going to be all that particularly helpful, if at all. Anyways, yeah. But uh, yeah, so it's just you know, eat cleaner shit. Go out and and support the things that are that are doing good for the environment and the way that they're producing and making the food and and trying to regulate. I mean, it doesn't matter. Eating clean is going to help you out a lot. You're still going to be subjected to a whole bunch of bullshit just by living on this earth yeah. and living in these cities, but. That's, you know, if you want to make a difference to your diet and the way you feel, do it with the quality of food you eat. There's, I mean, there's got, I understand if you're trying to live a healthier life, but there's a lot of it that's not people trying to live a healthier life. It's this, this moral ideology sort of concept. I get it. You're a loving person and you love animals. I get it. I've I've met people that I really like that are vegans and love animals and I totally get where they're coming from. And for them, it makes them happy. But it's like the reality of dealing with all the animals on the earth. Like if you if you want to su- supposedly where people what we are is we we hold court over all the other animals. We're basically deciding what stays and goes and what gets to live and what goes extinct. I mean mm-hmm. we, we we've decided that we're the stewards of the earth. That requires management. You can't let population numbers get too crazy. You can't have jaguars running through your streets. You can't have... <laughs> that you sounds can't. pretty rad. It'd be pretty rad until people just, die. Just like... Meow, 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 meow. Yeah. Just, just pouncing folks. Those are so evil. Aren't they? They, they jump on the backs of crocodiles and crush their skulls. Yeah. Bite them in the back of the head and then eat them. Fucking, they drag them yeah, off. Yeah, I want a jaguar. Jaguars have been spotted a lot lately in Arizona and New Mexico. Like, much more common than ever before. They're starting to make their way up through Mexico the same path that drug dealers take. They've had all these camera trap photos of jaguars. Big-ass 200-fucking-pound cats. Fuck, yeah. Yoked. Yes, looking like Wolverine in the comic strip. Let's put a bunch of, like, armor and spikes on them. Yeah. And, like, fucking night vision. I just got I a, already have that, I, I just imagine. got a thing in my mail saying from, like, Burbank police to, to be on the watch out for a mountain lion. because And they showed this humongous picture of a huge mountain lion. I guess it's been in Griffith Park, and it's been coming down. Oh, it's oh. just killing hipsters. It's okay. Jeez. I know. Christ. <laughs> That is so fucking spooky, man. That's so spooky. Jaguars are even more spooky than mountain lions, but yeah, they're all they're all spooky, man. Well, here here's another thing is that so state fishing game uh, wards will determine they track all the population of of the various herds and animals that exist in their boundaries, and they keep tabs on them so they know what's dying from 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 natural predation how many how many are actually just being born and, and surviving how big the herd population where they're moving where they're living what they're eating whether they're getting sick or not all these sort of things and then they decide come hunting season they've already got all this this uh, data and that determines how many hunting permits they allow to go out there because they've already figured out well if this many people let's say were able to actually score uh, a deer or an elk or what what have you, 
it's actually going to be okay for this population and potentially even help it to a degree. And they've already figured, they've, I'm sure they've got percentages worked out to how many are actually likely to, 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 to actually get an animal when they go during the season times too. So, Yeah, it's really well regulated and they, they're really good at managing the resource of the animals. Like, like they do that with fish too. Uh, like when I was mm-hmm. in uh, Alaska, they have a salmon weir, they count salmon, and if the numbers are too low, they shut down fishing for the day. Yeah. And then they allow them to build back up and then they, they're really good at that kind of shit. And the people that are in the fish and game department, all of that is funded by the permits and tags from hunters. Yes. And there's, I mean, they have hunters and fishermen. I mean, it sounds almost contradictory, but they have done more to preserve wildlife in this country than than almost any other group. A huge. They've, they've got a lot of groups that have, uh, I mean, just for the Audubon Society, for an example, but they, 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 one of the things they do is they go out and the Sierra Club and they try to preserve wetlands, preserve the areas at which the, the animals exist and thrive. Because they, you know, if anything, as a hunter and a fisherman and growing up in a hunting and fishing family, when you're out there at the crack of dawn on top of these mountains walking around, I mean, regardless of the fact that I, I want to, you know, bag a deer and, and bring that, you know, go through the whole process of killing the animal and gutting it and skinning it and doing the whole deal and, and then eating it, you know, and, and giving the meat to my to my other friends and family, the environment is amazing. I don't want to kill a deer because I don't, because I just want to eat it and because I, I think I should. I, I want to be out there because I... I actually have a lot of respect for the animal as well, and it, it's just a, it changes your opinion on things. It lets you, one, know how small you are in comparison to nature, for sure, when you're standing there with these huge, giant firs and pines, and, and you're trying to go out there, and I'll just go out and find a deer. It's like, good luck. Good yeah. luck. Let me know if you can actually see it. And then the whole process of being able to actually land and, and hunt and find the deer and, and score it and and everything that comes after that, and all the work that's involved, and all the, everything else that's going around you, all at the same time as you're in this environment. It's interesting that people with a very rigid way of looking at those, this, though, would never see how you could want to hunt an animal and still have a love for it. Mm-hmm. They feel like, or at least some of them do. I shouldn't put it into everybody's mouth, but that it's kind of a sadistic thing to well, do. We're predators. That this is something that we are born to do naturally. It, it comes from just a, a simple source of of our own nature. Right. Well, the argument would be, aren't we evolving past that eventually? Is Why it is that? Become how a time... would that be a plus? <laughs> you know, how is that How is that actually better for us? Is it, To evolve past that, does that actually make us better? Well, to that question, I mean, would it be better to go back to a time with no language where you could just rape willingly? You just wantonly just run the, the old... The old cartoons of the caveman right. clubbing the chick and then drag her by her hair. Remember that? Like, that was so Shit's common. hot. The dragging yeah. them by their hair. Now, I usually prefer it if they, like, you know, set it up ahead of time and they're like, I'm going to be home between 8 and 9.30. So right. I want you to creep around the outside through the bushes. Oh. Yeah. Those kind of fancies, huh? Well, I don't know. I'm just imagining <laughs> how this might go. <laughs> People uh, have it. That's a thing that exists, man. You think of any messed up fetish Fantasy. well anything that could seem messed up to you somebody else thinks that is the highlight of their entire life oh yeah without a doubt and you can't really judge them for it i mean it, you're gonna to a degree depending on how extreme it is but at the end of the day man it's their it's their swing not yours yeah if they enjoy playing cop and uh speedier or whatever you know, whatever yeah. it is yeah or why throwing not? throwing you know cream pies full of you know feces at each other yeah it's kind of exciting I Why guess. Not? I guess. I mean, look, if you allow one, you got to allow the other. I, I can understand the cop and speeder thing mm-hmm. more than I can understand the plates of shit. <laughs> as long as you don't throw it at me, you know, we're cool. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, so I'm not, I'm not judgmental. Uh-uh. But, you know, I think that um, 
it's long. The, the the real problem with all of that is it, when it leaks over into other people's lives. Yes, that aren't well, used to throwing plates of shit. Yes, that's the 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 cause and effect <laughs> thing. It's like you can do anything you want to do with whomever you want to do it with, but until anybody else is forced to have to endure it, let's say I'm renting the house to you, and now I, I come over to come check a look at and take a look at my 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 property, and I've got shit stains all over the wall. Now I'm really upset about that. Yeah, that's not cool. No, that's not cool If you're renting, cool don't throw shit. Don't throw shit. <laughs> you know, at least put plastic up everywhere. Go Dexter style. Yeah. And then and then really clean up afterwards. Don't Absolutely. You know, spew as much, you know, volcanic diarrhea as much as you want, I guess, on each other. But I, I, I get what these people who are super sensitive and don't want to kill animals, I get where they're coming from. Yes. I really do. But I think it's... it's Unless you're going to sterilize all these animals, unless you're going to give them birth control, are you going to are you going to stop them from breeding? Are these animals Catholic? I don't know if you can give them birth control. Yeah, I mean, what happens then? What if they they oppose? Are you going to decide <laughs> that you own them? Are you going to give them birth control because otherwise they just start fucking filling the streets and you can't drive anywhere? Right. Which what if, would happen? Right. What if the animals create this totalitarian fascist regime and they have these like really cute uniforms? Well, have you ever seen what happens when towns don't allow anybody to kill animals? No. Have you ever seen that place in Japan where there's uh, it's a Are Buddhist you about the place? Monkeys? No, the Buddhist place where there's deer just flood the streets. Oh no, uh-uh. it's incredible. It is one of the weirdest fucking things ever. These people are driving around and there's just deer everywhere. I mean, all throughout the street. You, you have that video? No. What should I look up? Deer in Japan, all of the street. I know, know there's there's a certain island and an area see in Japan video. that is packed full of these freaking monkeys and they, oh. they are really intelligent and they know how to uh they'll steal your wallet or whatever i mean they'll just do whatever and they'll throw rocks at you yeah monkeys are evil fucks yeah deer japan in the street just i just got it already video oh yeah. deer that's what happens when you No, that's uh, not it brian video deer japan in the street when monkeys you know monkeys Fur and antlers all around japanese city these people just look it's on the, the telegraph this is the video. Everywhere you go. See this video? Look. Everywhere you go, there's deer. Oh, yeah. Look at this. Oh, shit. I was just going to say, monkeys are what happens when you have opposable thumbs, but you have no higher level of reasoning. And you're an asshole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Isn't that nuts, though, how many deer there are? That's, I mean, this How is... can you survive in that? I, would, I, as a hunter, would be worried that one of these males might just decide to get a hair up his ass and put me on the floor. Cause oh, yeah. I, you know, it's not that that deer might weigh maybe eighty pounds, a hundred pounds, but that's a hundred pounds of pure wild animal. That's horny. Yeah, or angry, or whatever. And has horns. Yes, man. Bad news. Yeah, these are smaller deer. They're Sitka deer, but uh, I think they get sixty, seventy pounds. I still don't want to fight it. I see this one's got a big fucking set of antlers. Well, actually, maybe like, I would want to fight it. it maybe you would. Get, with a fucking sword or something. Uh, see, crazy. If I could, see if I could maybe just with uh, like <sighs> brass adorable. knuckle type situation, and I could like and spikes a, and a gauntlet. Yeah, oh. and I could punch it out to death. You could punch a deer, deer to death. A sixty pounder. I'm a hundred percent. All my money on you. I do. As have long a mask as C.J. On. Ross wasn't doing the the ju- the betting judging. <laughs> betting. I said judging. I said betting like, like because it was uh, that was the actual Freudian was betting. Betting. Because you know the you know the whole story behind that. With oh, the, um, I've. I've I've heard some of it. Fight. Yeah, yeah. Holy I mean, shit, it's crazy. That woman scored a draw. She scored a draw. Right. Canal and Mayweather, which That's, is the least draw, draw fight in the history of fights. <laughs> it was a fucking, he outboxed the shit out of him. And she scored a draw, and then she vanished. And then they found out that she was also the one that scored Tim Bradley over Pacquiao. Right. 
the thing about betting that a lot of people don't think, well, what's, what difference does it make? Here's what difference does it make if you don't know betting. There's a lot of people that bet on unanimous decisions. Mm-hmm. And the odds of Floyd getting a unanimous decision are pretty good. Yes. He wins a lot of those fucking things. Right. And if you were smart and you know the odds were 10 to 1, you would go, I'll put 10 grand to win 1,000. Because sure. I think he's, it's fucking it's an easy 1,000 bucks. Exactly. And then this lady comes along and judges it a draw. <laughs> and all your money goes away. Yes. And then Vegas wins. And maybe one potential person had bet, oh, no, it's going to be a exactly. majority instead of unanimous. Yeah, what's the odds of that? It's probably only like, you know, probably three to one of your money or something small. Think all you have to do is give that bitch a piece, you know? And I don't know. I'm not saying she did that. But she it could is, be. it's plausible. It is possible. She could have been, and I shouldn't say bitch. So I'm sure she's a very nice older lady. I didn't mean it that way. I meant it in the vernacular of my time. We, we call each other bitch. Yeah, and I don't mean you as a bitch, ma'am. But... Uh, either you're criminally incompetent mm-hmm. or you're corrupt. It's Those are the two possibles. Like someone who judges a professional fight and actually thought that was a draw, should that's criminally incompetent. That's like me being a doctor. Right. Like you coming, you know, Joe, I need surgery. Okay, let's do it. I mean, yeah. it's, and just cut and cut off the wrong arm, you know? It's, it's almost that bad. I mean, it's ridiculous. And the amount that's on the line on a contest like that, you're not just considering the amount of money that's being bet. You're also considering the reputation of the sport itself. This is, you know, boxing is already under plight by a lot of, uh, like, neuroscientists, and as is mm-hmm. MMA, and as is, as is football. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people feel like it shouldn't well, be legal, and then it's barbaric well, or what that, have you. Well, you know, that's fine. It could be barbaric as it wants to be. If n- people choose to do it voluntarily yes. by their own free will, let them fucking do it. Uh, Fuck you to tell exactly. me how to sur- how to protect myself from myself. Exactly. I don't need you for that. That is the Go idea. figure out how to do something better with your life. Exactly. You're probably a vegan. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, from the fighter point standpoint too, you know, I'm a lot. A lot of my career is on the line with this. This win could change everything for me, or uh, not even just monetarily, but in terms of what the next thing is going to happen from here on and from here on. And all the time I put into the gym, and all the time I took away, I had to take away. Maybe I had to. I was down on my luck, and I had to mortgage my my house to get some money to go through a training camp and then i really needed to win this fight to to set up for the and now all of a sudden you just took that away from me potentially or um you know these guys are putting so much as as a professional athlete we don't we, we we train to fight our opponents not judges and although my whole thing is i just say don't let them become a part of of your of your solution, of your scenario here. Just don't give them any excuse to even be a shitty judge or a shitty ref. You go out there, take this guy out, smear him all over the mat, and then you you know nobody can take that from you. That's always great advice, but you know as well as I know. Yeah, that I that have does... a couple decisions on my record. <laughs> it's impossible to avoid. Yeah, it you're happens. fighting guys like you. If you're fighting guys like you, it's almost impossible to avoid some decisions. I know that you fight to finish every fight, mm-hmm. but the idea that you have to not worry about prof- or that you have to not be able to count on professional judges at the highest level of a sport that's a giant sport. It's bullshit. It's craziness. People are bound to make errors, and this yes. much I understand. But some of the some of the incompetence that does exist within athletics, not just boxing or MMA but I mean you've the issues with uh, IOC judges and all kinds of things oh yeah it is it is criminal do you remember Roy Jones versus the Korean guy in the finals of the Olympics oh uh, no I'm I, I'm not old enough to know about that Roy Jones 
boxed the shit out of this dude right. and should have got the gold medal in the Olympics, but it was in Korea, <sighs> and they gave it to the Korean. And it was like one of the worst decisions I've ever seen in all my years of watching amateur boxing. I mean, literally, the Korean barely touched him. Mm -hmm. he was, I mean, it was Roy Jones in his prime in right. the finals of the Olympics, and he went off. He just lit this kid up. And was moving around him and boxing him and just outlanded him three, four to one. It was a joke. It was an easy, and clear And they still cut. gave it to the they Korean. gave it to the Korean. Koreans, yeah. when I was a kid in uh, Taekwondo tournaments, there was a lot of Koreans that gave away some really fucking shitty decisions towards Koreans. They love Koreans. And they will like, they're really national. Now, obviously, this is not all of them. But... This is this they is, have a lot of national patriotic pride. Yeah, they show they show the the actual fight itself. Show some of the highlights because it's it's actually kind of hilarious. The guys holding up the uh, the thing like, oh, I, I guess I won. I mean, Roy Jones just fucking bombed on this dude, dropped him. See him drop him there with that punch. I mean, and look at him. He's like, man, are you <laughs> kidding me? Are you kidding me? He's crying afterwards. They the guys him. like, ah, oh, uh, yeah. Thank you. I mean, he went on to be one of the greatest boxers of all time. But of course. They, they robbed this Korean him guy, who knows what happened to him. He just, I think he's like, I'm good. <laughs> let's, just, uh, let's just end this right here. Open up a little kimchi factor, and he's Have like, you... I'm just going to invest in this, and we're going to keep it going. Yeah, fuck Olympic this. kimchi. Yeah, I mean, Roy Jones really just boxed the shit out of this dude. It was a really clear-cut decision. When you see that kind of stuff, and, you know, I don't like to get mad at anybody. That's why I was mad that I called that lady a bitch, even though I don't really mean she's a bitch. It's just the term. But, right. But in this situation, it's like some, it's at a certain point in time, something needs to be done. And when nothing is done over and over and over and over and over again, you keep getting these really well, that's a precedent. bad decisions. Yeah, and the, the bottom line is this is a really serious matter, not just for the athletes, not just for the fans, but for the commission itself. They should show that they have the ability to govern something with intelligence. And when you have all these complaints and when you have all these scenarios that keep repeating themselves over and over again, and yet you do nothing. Like, that's, that's not showing that you're intelligently handling this. It's like, it's clear, it's obvious in front of everybody's face that there's a real problem. And it's not like there's a fucking a lack of people that would replace them. It's not like, man, it's really hard finding martial arts experts. How the <laughs> fuck am I going to find someone who knows what's going on in the fight? You, can you imagine if you put out, you know, you, you put out a, a application mm -hmm. and said, look, if you want to be a, a fight judge in Nevada or uh, New York or whatever, you know, we're willing to take on new people. Tell us what you know about fighting. The fucking lines would be around the block for days of people who would want to be judges. It would really be more a matter of trying to weed out who's full of shit yes. and who isn't. Could you imagine, if you're an MMA fan, to be able to judge like, or to be inside the cage for a great fight? Mm -hmm. One of your fights? Right. You, what, the last fight. The, well, you said a great fight. Jones, I said a great fight. <laughs> One of your fights. I mean, imagine... If you're, I mean, for a fan to be like in Herb Dean's position, holy shit, to be there, whoever, who's going to be the lucky judge for the Do Chris Weidman? Do you think Weidman? they could be as chill as Herb Dean, though? No. Herb, Herb just kicking it just like, mm. Chillest dude on earth. Mm. He's the coolest, nicest, chillest dude Stop on earth. Fighting. Even when he separates like a, a crazy fight, I mean, yeah. he's just so calm about it. He's, he's the best. Him and Big John, are, that's the gold standard. And Josh Rosenthal was right up there until a homeboy got popped for weed. Very unfortunate. Speaking of judges and decisions and all that, what about that Jones Gustafson fight? First of all, look at this picture. You know that picture? Oh, you know I know it. From yeah. Pantera. Oh, yes. From Pantera. Perfect. Look at this. Look at Perfect. That. It's the exact photo. Oh, my photo. God. It's the exact photo. It is. Yeah. It's Someone did this on the underground. It's Pantera from 
Vulgar display of From power. Vulgar yeah. display of power. Whoops. Whoopsie. Fucking stupid. Oh, oh and the coffee's on the, the power. <laughs> Let's hope it happens. Oh, that's not good at Jamie, all. Jamie, the paper there. <laughs> Catastrophe befalls Joe Rogan uh, podcast experience. That's that's electricity. Yeah. If it explodes. Are you, are you telling me electricity doesn't like bulletproof coffee? Good Jamie, idea. Jamie, a little help? We're, yeah, what's up? Come on, buddy. What's up? We interrupt this podcast for a concern <laughs> of possible and potential electrocution, ladies and gentlemen. We got a real spill while I was spinning around my fucking laptop trying to show Josh Barnett. Uh, I think it's okay. I don't think it got any holes. No, it got in the cl- slots. Fell into there. Yeah, just keep it upside are down. We, like that. Are we still talking about uh, John Jones and Gustafson? All right, no, we're no, back. I meant we said the vulgar it, display of powder. We're getting in slots. Yeah. All right, we're good. We're good. Love slots. Yeah, those not the different kind of slot, buddy. <laughs> uh, Jones Gustafson. Yeah. What do you think, yeah. Joe? Um, How do you score it? I would have to go and watch it again, quite honestly, because uh, I think um, when you do commentary on a fight, you should never score at the same time. You know, because you, you, I'm, I'm trying to be as entertaining as possible. I'm trying to be as objective as possible. I'm trying to enjoy the fight the way the folks at home enjoy it, you know. And I think to j- really judge a fight correctly, you shouldn't even talk. You should just sit there and concentrate on it 100%. I think I could do a pretty good job of judging while I'm commentating, but not 100%. And I, I agree. don't think any fight deserves less than 100%. So I never try to, unless it's really obvious. But what I felt at the end of the fight, when we were going into the fourth round, I was like, wow, John might need to stop him to win yes. this fight. Because I don't know who won the first three, fou- three rounds, but I could see it argued that Gustafson won. It doesn't mean that I believe that Gustafson won, but, it, but I it, could see it argued. Right. Like the Condit-Nick Diaz fight. Some people thought that Condit should have lost, mm-hmm. and some people thought that Diaz should have lost. But it's, it's a weird sort of a subjective thing. Diaz for sure pressed the action. But it's hard to argue that Condit didn't land more strikes. Right. And it's hard to argue that Condit didn't. And then you say, well, Diaz is trying to actually engage and make it a real fight. And, True. Okay, but whose fault was that? I mean, if he just stopped and stood there, would Condit have been forced to come to him? I mean, it's, a, it's an argument. Agreed. And at the same time, you, you, you want to look at, like, well, who's, who's actually controlling the fight? Yes. Whose game plan is being initiated and, and, and working? Right. You would you could argue that it actually Condit, you know, he's the yes. one that's dictating where this fight occurs. You know, fine, he is retreating, but he's scoring, he's moving, he's landing all the kicks and punches where where um, Diaz is not really being effective. Yeah. And Diaz is now reacting to Carlos Condit's uh, game plan, the way he's fighting his fight, and and that's why Diaz is is, is you know pulling forward and trying to swing. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's on on a base that that Condit is creating this. Yeah, I could see that argued as well. And you know what? I could also see argue that Diaz is the aggressor and that Diaz is taking the fight to him, and that counts for, mu- for something as well. And even though Carlos is hitting him, it's not really having much effect. Diaz mm-hmm. is talking a lot of shit and chasing him around. Mm-hmm. Like, the Condit really isn't winning well, as well. In that scenario, you might want to even actually look at the referee and have the ref, the ref should be going, hey, 
you know, I'm going to warn you for stalling. If, if you're it's not that engage. much. Yes, if it's but, that much. But, but he was, Nick was always engaging, so mm-hmm. Carlos really never even had an opportunity to not engage. You know, Nick is such a pressure fighter because of his cardio. He's got just ridiculous triathlete cardio. Yes. He's had so many fights where he breaks a guy. He just stays mm-hmm. on him and stays on him style, until they can't keep the pace anymore. But Condit's pretty fucking fit. Well, and you know that's the thing. You made a, a really simple point, and that is, hey, if this guy wants to just do nothing but counter punch and 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 run and try to get off four four strikes, and I get off zero instead of you know having a full blown battle, just stand in the middle of the ring and be like, fuck you, dude, come to yeah. me. Yeah, you can do that too. I yeah. mean, you can just stand there, and if the guy's still just circling around, you know, then it'll be pretty obvious what the fuck is happening. But I think there's a lot of subjectives when it comes to fight judging. But then sure. there's decisions like Mayweather and Canelo where there's sure. no subjectivity. You look at that and you go, there's no fucking way. There's no fucking way. You can look at a fight like Diaz-Condit, and although I thought the decision was good, I thought it was a very close fight. Mm-hmm. And I thought that it was a very good fight, and interesting in that way. And I could see it being argued either way. It's not that I, I, I'm not right. It's just my opinion is that Condit won the fight. But I'm not right. I think it's a long conversation. I think when a fight is real close sometimes, mm-hmm. like Jones and Gustafson, I could see a bunch of different arguments. I, I really could. I, I had it Gustafson myself, uh, three, three to two. But at the same time, I could have seen it a draw. Which rounds did you give him? Uh, I gave him the first. Uh, the second, I believe. I'd have to rewatch the whole thing all over again. But I think I gave him the first, the second, and the third. But the third could be, I think third, the third is the one where he got wobbled on, on his feet towards the end. Yeah. Uh, so that could even be arguably a draw round and then give Jones the last two, then that's a draw. I think the fourth was when he got wobbled. The fourth was when John hit him with that spinning elbow. And then he almost finished him towards the end of the round. Well, I'm maybe. Hard to say. You know, they're both so gassed, too, and that I also took that into play when I watched. You know, I know Gustafson got, got cranked with that elbow, but I know that they're both gassed as hell. Right. So, you know, how much of it is actual discombobulation and how much of it is also just you know they're they're, war yeah they're just fatigued to all to all get out yeah and uh you know and i i can agree with the idea of you got to beat the champ you got you got to finish you got to take it away from him you got to it's got to be more decisive than a close fight and in a close fight it goes to the champ and that's you know one thing to be said and and i think that gustaf that was gustafson's fight to win like, I think he could have finished Jones at points because I, there were times where Jones broke, where he was he had he'd quit essentially. You really but, think so? But when here's the difference. Well, you could see it in his eyes at times, getting hit. He's turning his face, and you can just see in his posture. It's just something that I pick up when I'm fighting somebody. I can tell the minute you give up. I know exactly when that moment is, and I'm coming after you. And that's why I have so many finishes on my record because I I I can smell blood. And from you a mile felt, away. You felt blood. But the difference between Jones and a regular guy is Jones, he, he received this uh, adversity to the point that it, it pushed him all the way back to where he was right at that edge of just being done. But if you give him – it's just like if someone gets wobbled or knocked down and they recover, Jones recovers. You know, he gets – and he remembers, oh, okay, I was in a really bad spot, uh, but I got past it. So I got to make up for it. I got. I'm gonna. I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna do what I can. You know, he'll throw haymakers. He'll go to all his strengths. He'll do whatever he's gonna. He's. Oh, I got to finish this round. I got to try and finish this guy off. Versus a lot of people will just. That's it. Once they. Right. Once they feel that. That despair or that that feeling like oh I just failed or this is I it was you know um, at that point of no return they just stay there 
they can't get over it. But Jones was able to continue to, to struggle on and fight on. You could see him in the corner, especially after round three, and just the look on his face was just blank, just like, uh, he's just on, on autopilot. So you think he just hit that wall of adversity that where a lot of people just just snap. I don't I don't think he had he been uh, right, but he did not quit. Right. Well, he didn't know? quit the Vitor fight either. No, that's another uh, great example. He got armbarred. You know, I mean that armbar was really hyperextended. He got it very good, and I think Vitor might have actually let it up. Probably. You know? I, I think he just because I mean it was so deep. It, yeah, it should have been a, a done dot a deal, but. Uh, I think if, I mean there were times later on in the fight where Gustafson would start to score some significant strikes, and I could see you know John Jones is just that his his demeanor just starting to drop like he's he's again he's at that edge again like if you happen to really pour it on and crank him with he's gonna throw something back with knockout potential he's gonna throw like one or two things and he's gonna stop and look for a reset because he just that's a reaction like I gotta I gotta do whatever I can to finish it and if it doesn't happen okay. Here I am. This is just me. This is that's all that's left. And if Jones or if Gustafson had a really took it to him and really cranked him hard with something good, I think he could have put him away. Wow, strong statement from Josh Barnett. Well, at the end of the day, I also think that with a different game plan, Jones could have been way more effective against Gustafson. What do you think it would be? His well, game he needed plan? to use more. He needed to be more aggressive to begin with. And uh, one, he and if he was had he'd scored with that left high. So what he should have done is set that thing up and really turned it over. Instead of just continuing to flick it up there, he should have set Gustafson right back into that same same reaction mode and then turn, put everything into it. I think he was really hurt by that time. You know, I'm sure. He definitely had something wrong with his foot. His, yeah. One of his foot's broken. But I was really impressed with Gustafson, man. I mean, really impressed. First of all, I was so impressed that he took Jones down in the first round. That was incredible. That like, was very surprising. I did not shit. see that coming. And his boxing looked so smooth. I mean, his combination, it was so loose and fluid the way he was landing strikes. Mm-hmm. I mean, when they were squaring off on the feet, you could clearly see that John was not enjoying boxing with them. But then John figured out his rhythm was kicks, kicking mm-hmm. to the legs, threw a lot of side kicks, and that spinning elbow as well. That spinning elbow, Gustafson should never have gotten hit with that. That was just stupid. But... Uh... Uh, especially after throwing it like three, four times beforehand, it's like, oh, come on, dude. Okay, you know that this is coming now. He's Same with that, that left high way. kick. You should have. But uh, Jones was great about scoring on the uh, the uh, the transitional points. So they're boxing, they're clinching on separation of clinch. That's when Jones is still throwing strikes, and Gustafson's trying to reset back to one modality, yeah. where Jones is still engaging and looking for openings, and and I'm, that was. A really key point, uh, really key part for Jones to stay in that fight and actually score a lot of the damage that he did, throwing elbows inside instead of okay, we're not. Oh, I didn't grapple, so let's start over again. It's nope, we're still here. I'm still working. I'm going to throw elbows. I'm going to throw knees. He pushes me back. I kick again. You know, I'm scoring on the way in and on the way out. Where Gustafson would 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 look to reset, run, circle, break, get right into position again. Okay, let's let's start fighting again. And and the, the on Gustafson's aspect, he. Getting hit for him did not make him he, – he just stayed in the pocket and kept throwing back yeah. until he didn't like uh, you know, his range, and then he would, he would disengage, restart, reset, and, okay, back to the where I want, it, I want the fight to start from. Excellent for Whereas work. Jones would get hit, and he would get, he'd get tagged a few times, he'd get tagged a few times, he'd get tagged again, all of a sudden now he starts turning his face away. Now he starts retreating from the fight. Now he starts you know, reacting to a point where he's not able to deliver a, a good counter. 
So you think it, it is a conditioning thing with Gustafson or maybe an experience thing? Mm, both, maybe. I don't know. I mean, I think he's a well-conditioned athlete. He put a lot of work out there in the ring. And uh, for him to be as fatigued as he was at the end of the fight is understandable. And uh, all the, the wrestling aspect can take a, a lot of fatigue out of you. And he, he's not a wrestler by... He doesn't have all the years of wrestling that John Jones does. So John Jones, uh, tech, you know, it's it's easy to 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 say that he likely has better efficiency when it comes to wrestling in yeah. terms of his 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 muscle endurance. But uh, uh, I think it's just a little bit of experience from Gustafson. He's got a lot of fights, but it's it's the kind of thing that just you don't just have no matter how many fights unless it's honed. Unless you can find that feeling and and see those moments and those things in in your opponents and pick up on them, that that kind of perception it just doesn't happen I always. Feel, I feel like he's going to grow tremendously from this. I fight think he's too. got more to come from. Yeah, well, both of them do really. They're he only can't hang on this fight though. Old. That's the biggest thing. He's right. got to he's got to take from what, from it what he can. Same with Jones. They got to take from it what they can and then move on, make adjustments, but not not hang on. Oh well, this I did this this one time. Do you Every think fight's it's different. Possible that because John was so successful against so many different fighters, that he got a little bit overconfident coming into this fight. Well, he did have a shirt that says "Not quite human." Yeah, <laughs> I think it's a Nike shirt though. Isn't it like a sponsored shirt. I would have just told Nike to hell with you, man. Yeah, I'm not wearing shit. this shit. <laughs> this is, a, this is bad juju. <laughs> Fuck that. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Gustafson was all human, all heart. Amazing, amazing fight, and I'm I'm amazed. I was amazed with both guys, really. I, I was amazed with the boxing, the footwork, Augustus,ing the fact that he could take Jones down, and I was amazed at Jones' persistence. That motherfucker mm -hmm. kept coming. He kept coming no matter what, and got stronger. I mean, even though he was yeah. exhausted, his push got stronger in the fourth and fifths. Took him down in the fifth. Finally, where most people after, would have given in, yeah, he, he did not. He wants his title. He likes his title, you know. And um, I looked at the fight metric score too, which isn't real. It's not a real indication of the fight. There's a lot of intangibles that I don't think numbers cover. But they gave it to uh, Jones. Mm -hmm. And uh, I felt like it was a really close fight. I'm glad I didn't have to be a judge. Super close. Glad I didn't have to be a judge. But also, I think it was a fucking amazing fight. Now, I, that being said, what do you think about ever. Jones and Cormier now? Well, I think, first of all, they're going to probably have a rematch. If I had oh, a guess, yeah. Absolutely. I would say it would be crazy to not have a rematch. The rematch might be the biggest fight in MMA history. The rematch would be Jai fucking Gantai. Every Sweden person from Sweden, they would get visas and start moving over here and building, <laughs> building houses if the fight took place in Vegas. They would start building Sweden homes in Vegas. I mean, he's going to be a fucking hero over there. And I think that um, if they do, you know, they take six months off or whatever. They're going to have to take a long time off. That was a crazy five-round war. Both guys went to the hospital. Do you Both think Gustafson looks bad. like my little brother? <laughs> a little bit. He's got a lot of Viking in him. I mean, you know, no doubt, dude's a Swede. And that photo, the Pantera photo, oh, yeah. vulgar display of Viking power. I wonder who made that photo. Whoever big made time that Viking. photo is Big time Viking. But, you know, I'm torn because I also want to see Glover Teixeira fight John. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's I think that's an amazing fight, too. And uh, Glover's a class act, and I think he's a really talented guy. Very explosive, hard hitter, Dangerous. fast. He's got good takedowns of his own. And he's, ex yeah, he's been around, man. He's been around and he's tough as shit. He's an interesting guy, and that fight made him a little bit more interesting. I think um, also it was incredibly fascinating to watch someone who also has the same physical advantage that John has. Mm -hmm. That physical advantage of length, I mean, I don't have to tell you. When you're fighting a guy and you're striking with him, that's a giant advantage. I agree, and I don't think Jones is 
I don't think he's a brawler type. I don't think he's a take one to give one dude. I don't think he, he really digs that too much. I'm not saying he's afraid of getting hit, but I don't think for him getting hit causes more reaction out of him than it will out of others. The other types of fighters pretend. I mean, it's, you got you got your 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 grand scale. You've got your you know dude that flinches away from a punch to your Pedro Hizos where they ate sixteen of them and hit you with one. Right. You know. So I mean, obviously it, it, there's a lot of variance, but I don't think I don't think Jones is 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 I don't think he digs getting getting cracked a whole lot. Well, do you think it's just because he's trying to be intelligent and trying to sustain as little damage as possible? I don't know. Possible, and, I'm, and, you know, if you don't have to get hit, don't. Yeah. Hell, I can, I've can. i taken the biggest straight-up shots from the, the hardest hitters in the world right in the mush <laughs> and still stood for it. That doesn't – I mean, it's it's helpful for fighting, but I, I know I must have forgot at least, you know, 16 song lyrics and, and like, three or four books, you know. Do you uh, – Algebra. That went out the window. to try to keep your mind working all the time? I know George Foreman used to do a lot of crossword puzzles, mm-hmm. and he used to do things that he felt like kept his mind. I think if you juggle, like, eight or nine different women and all the different <laughs> lies that you're telling them all at the same time, that's – that's a lot of uh, you know management in terms yeah. of mental capacity, especially if you're into cosplay. <laughs> you can't show up as a squirrel to this one when she's clearly into bunnies. She's gonna be like, "Who who are you I fucking now?" Fucking hate squirrels. Yeah, like you, you can take those fucking acorns and shove them right up your ass, and that bitch you're fucking. <laughs> she likes reading. squirrels. That fucking whore. Yeah, reading just reading in general, uh, or even finding anything that's a challenge. Um, to to you, if it's like uh, picking up a, a, a musical instrument and trying to learn it, or anything that that is is different, it's a new new experience to yourself. Uh, my my buddy, you know Amir Alam, mm-hmm. sure. So his wife, awesome, awesome Ritter Bush. Well, she's now Ala Bush, but uh, uh, Kathleen, I remember she made this this comment. She goes, "Well, you know, when you're a kid, you're constantly learning new things, but as an adult, you 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 stop learning new things and try to only do the things at which you are already familiar with. And you go, why why should you ever stop picking up something new? And it really stuck with me and uh, amazing because we were all drinking beers and I was singing heavy metal karaoke and you know wrestling with her husband all over this bar and upsetting people. But uh, it's a it's a great comment and I think that it's something that people should apply whether they're professional athletes and getting hit in the head all the time or just a regular Joe Schmo going to work every day and you know has his, his family and his house and his bills and the normal run-of-the-mill stuff that people have to manage but you know there's you know there's always there's tons of opportunity from the small to the big to increase who you are and and give yourself a new experience and i think with those new experiences i'm sure there's a scientific study that says when you do new things and cre- and you use different parts of the brain that it probably releases chemicals that are all for the better yeah i think that without a doubt the more you use something the more active you are with something the more it grows and continues to grow and we get to a point in our lives especially people who have office jobs mm-hmm. where it's a that's a wrap this is why I masturbate yeah. so much. That's a good move. It hasn't grown that much more. But your but fantasies are simulating brain tissue growth. It's yeah, good. Absolutely. Imagine if they did it like an MRI on you for a fight. <laughs> for- the part that makes you horny is huge. What are you doing to that thing? <laughs> like you're constantly working out that part of your brain. But you uh must beat off like a fucking madman. I can't believe it's still attached. <laughs> it's ready to blow out of the side <laughs> of your head. You have to take away your license. Yeah. Your, your brain is swelling. But uh so I mean, I'm I'm doing I'm acting now. Yeah, really. And part of the reason why to I really, meet actresses. Well, I mean, that's a good I move. Come to, or, what is or makeup department? That's <laughs> are they the best? Yeah, I guess so. I hear uh, <laughs> the uh, 
one of the reasons, one of the biggest things about acting that I love so much is that it is completely different. It's a, it's not the kind of thing you can attack like an athlete. Right. You have to sort of, you have to, you have to flow with it instead of trying to to conquer it and beat it up and and just I'm I'm not talking about sex. Though. I hear you. <laughs> but I thought you, you, you have up to, ladies. Yeah, you have, it's the it's the sort of thing that you you can't force. Right. You have to let it happen. And you, I mean, you've you were on a show for how many years? Five years. Man. Yeah, it was a sitcom though. Sitcom acting is uh, way easier than like pretending that your uh, daughter just got run over by a bus or something crazy, you know. Sure enough, the, but uh, at the, the same time, you can't. You, you still you can't attack acting. You can't force it to be what it isn't. Yeah, that's true, and you have to understand how you come off. That's uh, something that some people some people are, are not. They don't understand how they sound to other people. Mm-hmm. So they don't understand when they're doing something fake, or they don't understand when they're being obnoxious. They don't understand mm-hmm. because they don't—they're not—they're not looking at themselves. They're not very objective. They're not introspective, and so they suck at acting because they really don't even know how it's coming out to other people. Sure, it's also people that are like really insensitive and not aware of other folks. Those people also have a hard time with it. So basically, psychopaths have a hard time being an actor. Yes, that's why. Have you ever had someone lie to you and it's so obvious? You're like, this is crazy. Yes. This guy thinks that this would work. That guy's probably a psychopath. <laughs> yeah. He just he's so off he doesn't realize that he comes off off to other people that's fucking super common man it's apparently a, a large percentage of people in this uh this country that are sociopaths hmm. you know like uh, one out of six what is this wife convince husband to shoot neighbor for telepathically raping her this isn't real <laughs> yeah it is this is on gawker no, this a, is real yeah a woman in utah pled guilty to attempted criminal solicitation and possession of a dangerous weapon when she she pretty much told like said her neighbor was raping her telepathically. Oh God! If only Look it was scanners and he blew her head up. Look at this couple. It looks like somebody on Chatterbait. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you hear about? That's what happens when you go to a swingers party. That's yeah. who shows up. Yep, that's right. Did you hear about this um, man who got unjustly convicted of rape? This woman made up the story, and so he got put in jail for four years. And then she finally admitted that it was a, a fake claim, and so they're going to put her in jail for two months. Two months? Yeah. You she... took four years of this person's life away, and you stuck them with a sex offender deal. And Joe, I was listening it's to you insane. last night on Fitzsimmons. That guy from yeah. Ohio called in, and he yes. was like six years. Six and years. And he gets no money back. He's just pretty much nothing. Yeah, that, well, that guy had sex with a girl, and she was at a party, and she got drunk. He had sex with her, and she had a boyfriend, so she claimed that she was raped. Right. And that was a false claim. And he got nothing. You're right. Whoa. This, uh, yeah, he got zero money, okay. and the girl didn't do any time at all. She finally admitted it one day. She was really sorry. But the guy had been in jail the entire time. But this woman, this is what's really crazy. She got caught by her mother looking at pornography on the internet. So she said that she had been sexually assaulted and blamed her neighbor. Whoa. And the lie just snowballed from there. So the neighbor had, there was, they have no interaction at all. And all of a sudden this guy is locked up in jail for four years How of his life. How could you just lock him up in jail based on what evidence? What, how does, beyond a shadow of a doubt, you've proven that someone that has no interaction with the other has somehow managed to rape them. I don't know. I don't understand it. What does that say about the people that are making decisions on, you know, from the judges' chairs and the jury box? How fucked up are they? I, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Maybe the dude, like, is really shifty when he comes in there. He looks guilty. I mean, maybe she was really convincing. Maybe, but she said the lie just maybe sort had, of snowballed. Uh, T-Top Camaro. I mean, that's like a giveaway. This is so crazy. Yeah, he maybe had like one of them old Burt Reynolds transactions. 77. Yeah, that's the rapist car I've ever I, seen. I, I mean, it's just, it's really stunning, man. I don't, I don't understand how the woman could only get two months in jail just because she's sorry. 
I mean, I get, I get that she's sorry, but you shouldn't. You ruined his life. I mean, you essentially ruined his life. It's crazy. How old was the guy when he went to jail? Um, I don't know. It doesn't say here. I mean, that could be a huge. No, it doesn't say here. No, it doesn't say here. I, I don't. Poor guy, man. I mean, what the what the fuck do you do there? You you get out. You must feel so devastated by life. It's that sh- that O.J. Simpson law, man, that the police have to follow by. Anything a woman says is right until proven not right. You know, so like you, any crazy bitch can just be like, yeah. I mean, that's helpful this. if you're trying to, you know, get anal sex. But otherwise, um, I changed my age of uh, a lady that I would maul. <laughs> okay. Like, at what age do I quit? Uh huh. Uh, seventy-three. Why Raquel Welsh? Oh, you she's gotta look at Raquel still, huh? Welsh at seventy-three. Yeah. I mean, I'm not much for fucking celebrity gossip, mm-hmm. unless it's very positive. I like to be nice just to people. That Raquel Welsh. Just what I want you to Google. Raquel Welsh stuns at pre-Emmy party in leopard print dress. You're not gonna believe this woman is seventy-three years old. I mean, I don't know what she looked like a month ago. I don't know if like they they put her in some sort of oxygen tank and kind of rejuvenated her and <laughs> brought her back to life. I don't know if there's a pod under her bed and she doesn't exist anymore. And oh. this, I mean, she looks like she's forty, dude. Yeah, but she's got that. Su- Shut your mouth and put the pictures boobies. up. Shut your mouth and put the picture up. Wow, she's no seventy-three way. years old. Yes, she's seventy-three years old. Holy nice. moly! She's got that suntan. Boobie. Dude, go go to the full light size picture so you can actually see her whole body. For seventy-three, that's ridiculous. Go to there. There's a full picture where you can see her whole body. Yeah, zoom out so we can all see it. Oh, it's her old body. Oh, her old body was ridiculous. Oh yeah, she looks like hey, let's go to a cruise. Dude, go to a full body <laughs> shot. <laughs> no, go to the ones where you see her body. The other ones where she's in the the skirt where yeah, her legs are spread. Look at that. Back up. You got a distorted image here. No. There you go. It looks like shit compared to what's on my screen. I have a full one from the Huffington Post. See, look at this one. Don't knock over the You don't have that photo? Uh, No. I mean, it's pretty similar. Well, that's a good angle on the one. Yeah. Oh, it's certainly a good angle. I mean, she's she's 73 years old. I'm not going to be grudge her at all. She's still 73 years old. But, dude, if your woman looks that good at 73 years old, congratulations. You win. You fucking win. You knock it out of the park. You know who's 73 years old? Hunter S. Thompson, six years after he was dead. How about that? Hunter S. Thompson shot himself in the head at 67. You remember what he looked like? He looked like, holy hell, this broad is six years older than him. Or like Bukowski at 73. That's incredible. Yeah, Bukowski at 73. <laughs> How I mean, Bukowski at 33 was probably not. She looks amazing. Who knows? Congratulations to her for fucking keeping it together. You would hit that, huh? Gangster. Probably not. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm just giving her her props. I'm just giving the lady her props. Yeah, it's, she's pretty hot. I know to a woman that might seem offensive, but for us, that's like one of the simplest, like surefire ways that we, that as a, that's a, from a male perspective, that's. That's a that's a good start, rock solid compliment. Yes, Joke. it doesn't seem like it is. It seems rude and uncouth, but it's actually a huge compliment. Joe, you really need to play this Grand Theft Auto. They found Bigfoot in the game, and it's <laughs> it's so crazy. People oh, that are... picture has been around on the internet forever, Brian. No, uh, that's not from the game. No, but but there's actually a Bigfoot that's in the game that oh. like 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 it's really hard to find them, and then like if you stare at them too close. Look, it's, I think it's zooming in right here. You stare at it too close, it, he just runs away immediately. Like, it's crazy. Well, where's Bigfoot? I want to see him. Yeah, Somebody must have captured him. I think I'm one of the only film. people that didn't buy and isn't playing GTA V. Uh, nope, you and me. Nah, I just. I don't have that kind of time, man. I'm busy. I got shit to do. Nah, when I waste my time, I play Magic the Gathering because that's so much more cool. <laughs> do you play that? Of course I do. 
Absolutely. I'll I'll tap your fucking mana right now, buddy. <laughs> Magic the Gathering. That, you Bet. must be the toughest dude on the planet who plays Magic the I Gathering. I think uh, it's arguably so, yeah. I don't even think there's a close second. Uh, probably not. No. No, no. No fucking chance. That's, Is this it? No, that's I could just reach over and just crumple your little cards up. Yeah. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do, bitch? That's him? That's yeah. Bigfoot? Yeah, you see him in, like, if you use your thermal, you see him. Uh, oh, you, that's it? He just stands there? Well, no, I mean, he, he's really hard to find. He's just, yeah. like, real Bigfoot. Like, he'll run away immediately when you see he sees you looking at him. Yeah, but I, Does like he fight real the bionic Bigfoot, man? If he's real, you should be able to track him. If, no, like sure. real Bigfoot. Yeah, I'm sure you can eventually kill him. There's, I mean, people are pissed off because, you uh, like, animal rights movements are... Uh, uh, demanding boycott of the well, video game. Are we because, talking about a game now? Because you can kill animals in it. Like, you can run over deer and stuff like that, so now people are... Well, do they know that those deer are not real? <laughs> I think <laughs> they don't, do. What about <laughs> alien rights advocates? Are they going to fucking... For Quake, are they going to come along? Quake. Gonna stop shooting at aliens. There's aliens in Grand Theft Auto also. Aliens? Oh, yeah. What about um, pirates' rights advocates? Are they going to come out <laughs> I, about I think that? I saw the head of their union uh, driving down Ventura getting here. There was like this, right there was a pi- there was a pirate hobo. He was just standing there, all swarthy, just looking at me, What's that? wondering if I was going to eat the rest of that sandwich. You played the card game Magic. You said yes, did you play I with played. that group of uh, yes. like eight girls. Yes, that's what got me started back into it. I started playing Magic right. when it first came out back in the day, going to role playing game conventions. Yes, yes, indeed. And uh, they were handing them all out because Magic the Gathering is from Redmond, Washington. And they, they're handing out these packs. Me and my buddy are playing with all these cards, thinking, "Well, you know, this ain't this isn't going to be worth anything." And then, lo and behold, it's they ended up being worth a lot of money. So I played up until like 1997, and then I stopped playing. I just got out of it. And then, <laughs> and then, uh, then Ryan Keeley the somehow she got someone turned her on to the whole game, <laughs> and then she's like, "Hey, would you you did you ever play this?" I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I did quite a bit actually, <laughs> and uh, she's like, "Well, hey, we we teach me how. I got all these cards these people gave me, and so all of a sudden now I'm I'm teaching them how to play, and all the rules are way different. It's way much more complex and difficult. And then I start getting sucked right back into it. Now I'm buying all these damn cards. <laughs> now I'm building all these decks and doing all this crap. And although I will say one thing I like about it, and I do like playing card games, just like even you know, I'm not like a big poker guy, but I I like the fact that how we talked about engaging your mind. This game is all strategy." Right. Right. And there's strategy and dorkiness. Of course. I mean, if I could, I could simply, <laughs> you know, play spades with you. Or how about I, you know, have my rune scarred demon come flying across and, and <laughs> maul like, you? What? Yes. <laughs> my rune scarred demon. demon. Yeah. Holy or my. Shit. Uh, oh, what would be another good one? Uh, Primordial ooze, or it's got all this crazy stuff. Uh, Liliana's reaver. They sound. Does that not sound cool? That's really cool. Yeah. It's hilarious too. <laughs> what, what, what is cool is that that it's a bunch of hot chicks. And all so playing it's like this. just a whole ton of hot wow. chicks that are all playing Magic Frank. the Gathering wow. on Wednesday nights. Yeah. That's that sounds cool. It, it that is. That sounds like you win. It's so funny how girls will ask for dick. They have to go way round about it. <laughs> <laughs> they, have do, they have to do it through runes and. Uh, uh, magic cards and shit, and elves have to deliver messages and <laughs> <you have to laughs> unravel the scroll. <laughs> Ryan's the a proclamation: huge My vagina is available for yeah. you, sir. But uh, I think the game's a lot of fun, and it is one of those things that uh, that does keep me. Th- yeah, fine, fuck it. I'm, you know, I'm done justifying my playing of magic. Dude, I, I wear a I fanny pack. It. I'm, you know, I'm I'm a dork. I'm a hundred percent dork. Is that your crew? Yes. Is that your Magic the Gathering crew? Yes. I would be in there just to smell the air. <laughs> I would just, just like to smell all those girls. 
I don't even want to smell them up close. I'm not creepy. Check out me. Check I just like out. to be around. Just walk through the room girls. real quick. If I you're around that many girls that pretty, you just feel better about life. If you're in a room and everyone is that hot, I would probably be so funny. And you're playing card games. Yes, <laughs> Magic the Gathering. It'd probably be really good for my writing. I'd be able to make them <laughs> laugh because I would want them to like me. <laughs> I would just want to be really friendly and yeah, funny. Please, you make me feel you're better so with every smile you I get from you. You smell so good. I just want to be around you. I don't even want anything from you. I'm married. I swear to God. Yeah, I'm just, just going to be digging you. through your trash for a little bit. It's no big deal. I'm just trying to smell you. <laughs> Magic the Gathering. Whoa! I tell you, I, like I said, I wear a fucking fanny pack. I'm a, I'm well, how dork. much cooler would it be if it had a bunch of magic cards in it? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Did you um, see that uh, thing where the guy was, um, this uh, artist in uh, Normandy, did a, uh, an artistic representation of all the people that died on the beaches of Normandy in a stencil? He put a stencil down for bodies and then raked the sand. Pull, pull, pull it up, Brian. Um, artist stencils, 9,000 people, Normandy. For for peace day, incredibly moving images when you see that this actually represents how many people were killed. And so he had all these stencils, and at first it was just 50 people volunteered to do it. Uh And then the town, the locals found out about it, so everybody started joining in. Yeah, well, when you see it from from the air, there's several photographs. Um, You can really get a sense of how many people died that day. Wow. It's it's insane. I mean, it, it's really insane. I don't know what those things are. What are those things? Those are just like stencils. The, they're rocks. Those rocks. Like scroll up a little it's bit. It's like pebbles oh. and stuff. What do you mean? Scroll up a little. There down, was a down, back picture. where you were. There back you where you were. Keep going down, 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 down. That one. That one above the rocks where you see it on the. Uh, what are those things? Oh, those. Oh, who knows? Maybe they're. Uh, they look like dominoes. Uh, maybe they're leftover, uh, you know, beachhead deals to keep you from landing close enough. Oh, uh, you yeah. know what? That might be that. Or where the yeah. gunners used to be or something. God, that's all probably remnants of war, right? Look at that thing behind it. What mm-hmm. is that? Is that what that is? Probably. Keep it landing? Yeah, just a big concrete bunker to, you know, to, to <sighs> do whatever it's got to do. So they um, did this, and it's insane when you see it from, from the sky. If you scroll down, Brian, there's some better images. Look at that. I mean, it's, cool. it's immense. And if you go further back, they show one where they really wow. zoom out. Look at this one. That's cool. That's nuts. And that represents how many people died that day. It's incredible. Imagine what the water looked like. Oh, my God. It, that the, how about mustache. what it smelled? Ew. What it smelled like? It must have been horrendous. I mean, what do they even do with the bodies? Do they clean them up one by one, or do they avoid it and let uh, the ocean eat them all? I don't think you can let the ocean eat them all. I think you got to strip them all down. you got to take stock, and you got to take all their dog tags, all the information. Everything has – all the logistics that have to go into to letting anybody who is related to these people know that they have, they have died in war – and they have to be. I think they're all body bagged up and sent to have a, to a to a military graveyard. I wonder. That's a real good question because I know that's the standard operational procedure when you get a war, uh, a battle that mm-hmm. kills so many people. I wonder what. Let's see what happened to the bodies at Normandy. Man, it seems like um, it'd be almost impossible to get them all out of there. It and you start thinking like, well, from a from just a, a logic point of view, it's like we have more fighting to do. If we're spending more time and manpower and energy moving bodies than than, than killing our enemy. Yeah. The decomposing bodies presented a health That's risk That's a video to game living. right there. It's Call of Duty. Holy shit. The Allied dead of Normandy invasion were buried close to where they fell. 
The decomposing bodies represented a health risk for the living, so it was important to bury them as soon as it could be done safely. Rather than use Allied troops for this purpose, the Allies put German prisoners of war to work, laying out the cemeteries, digging graves, and entering, interning the combat slain. The simultaneously freed Allied soldiers from war, vital... To, oh, okay, that simultaneous. Okay. Yeah, so they, um, they made German prisoners of war bury all the bodies. Wow. Fucking A, man. What a fucking weird place it must be to be a prisoner of war. You know, you were on your way to kill somebody, but it all fucked up, and they decided the killing's enough. Enough is enough. We'll just dig some holes for us. Yep. And they're going to get rid of the bodies. And it's it's interesting when you look at, say, World War One, World War Two, and let's say you're an officer in World War Two, and you're captured by even the Germans, I guess they would... If you're an officer, they're going to feed you and give you housing and quarters and all this kind of stuff. And then you go into Vietnam where there ain't none of that. You know, it's just absolute brutality. We're going to torture you and shit on you and, until you die or you give us yeah. what information. You know, there's like this idea of sort of a, a gen, you know, even some sort of honor amongst war. Like, no, no, none of that. Or even now with the conflicts going in, in the Middle East. I mean, the, the mentality is way different. It's yeah. very weird when you have rules for war, too. But they do, yeah. Oh. And everybody in Europe sat by and thought, well, that makes sense. My grandfather was, you know, I told you, a prisoner of war for like six to eight months. And like, here's this picture when he was captured by the Nazis. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just weird seeing it because like they, they had... Every, when they checked him in, he, they took his photo. They had to give his thumbprint. They Why doesn't have his real mask. face? Why does it say red band on it? That's actually his real face, but I just put red band in there. It's, Why'd you do that? What's because the real, I put, real photo? Because I put the name up, and I didn't want his real name out Oh, there. I see. Uh, I see. Oh, um, so, wow. So for eight months, he was a prisoner Six of war? to eight months, yeah. Looks a little like you, fella. I know. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Wow. Looks like he could have a cigarette in his hand and a kitty cat T-shirt but, but he got out of it, huh? He got out of it a lot. Yeah, yeah. But but wow. my family all thought he died, so uh, they pretty much was almost like about to fake bury him or something like did that. They, did they? Did Did he ever talk about the pro like the whole situation like what he went through yeah he did but he you could tell it was you know it was pretty hard for him because i like i that video game i was showing you earlier mm -hmm. i used to have like a you know really good stereo system when that came out i mean this was like 15 years ago or something like that and what was that call of duty 2 or 1 call of duty 2 yeah. and like i set, set him down i was like here i want i want you to watch this oh dude why are you <laughs> such a dick cuz he wanted to see it he was and i was just like hey, let me see what this is and i remember sitting there watching him going wow this is too intense for him so i had to like turn down the the, the, the sound a little because that especially that opening scene you right. know when they're on the beach it was, he was just like whoa that must be really weird watching yeah. a bunch of people fake what was the worst moments of your life mm -hmm. and they're faking it like woohoo they got fucking mountain dew and cheetos and <laughs> <laughs> Extreme with three X's. Yeah, it was the no, worst time of your life ever. Sailing a two fifty Yamaha over the top of like a bunker. Yeah, you're like, do you know you guys could be fighting aliens? Why are you fighting real people? Why are you pretend you're in World War Two? Why don't you go make a game where you fight wolf wolves or you know leopards or crocodiles or some shit? Or crocodile yeah. leopards. It doesn't have to be. There you go. It doesn't have to be people. It doesn't have to be a recreation of the worst part of someone's uh, entire life. I always thought this was weird. For some reason, it says blows that will finish Reich. Like my last name, Reich. Wow. What does that mean? I don't even know what that means. Well, we finish Reich. I, Reich is finish the third quickly. Reich. Well, the Reich is the, the yeah. The well, squad, the third right? Reich, which yeah. is uh, uh, that was the the whole they came up with the whole Reich idea because it, it started off with the 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 Holy Roman Empire, right? And that was considered like the first German, the first Deutsches Reich, and then it moved on to 
the second one, which ended after World War One, and then you had the Weimar Republic, which was considered a huge failure. Although, I mean, there was a lot of interesting art and propaganda and things that came out of that, but which, you know, Germany was in such a terrible state financially and spiritually that it was easy for a good order and um, a, a good orator, not order, and the political party of the, the Nazis to come out and, oh, you know, you guys are so oppressing and things are so shitty for you. You know, we have, we're, we are on your side. No, we're, we're totally for you, the German people and everybody else, you know, they fucked us over and look at how we're, you know, it's us against them. And so, you know, you got a disenfranchised public and they go along with this and then boom, the idea uh, behind the, th- third reich was that it would be an extension of these previous moments of glory in germany's past i mean germany pretty much owned all of europe at one point Probably times, josh actually. barnett dropping mad knowledge that the Thoughts germanic folks were the ones that were the, the scariest to uh, various tribes to the romans they were they were scary to even the mongols mm-hmm. their germanic tribe they were fucking savage people man they were bad motherfuckers for a long time they they ran shit in europe they were big crazy milk-fed steak-fed people you know, for the reasons that we were talking about earlier, like they lived off a of cattle. That was a lot of what right. made them so fucking large. They had, I had some some uh, some pretty powerful tribes to begin with, and then mm. at, at the point of civilization, they once they had managed to unite them to a, to a single purpose, you know, and they just grew. Now all of a sudden, they could turn this this uh, advancement in their society and into a, a machine that they could go and carry on their 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 protocol to to increase their their land and their their economic structure and whatever. Prussia was an amazing world empire at one point. Uh, Austria. Um, the, the Holy Roman Empire was basically out of Austria. Yeah, it's, it's really fascinating when you look at the history of Europe because the history of the United States is so small. It's like such a little blip of time, you know, a couple of hundred years. Well, as far as we're concerned, too, yeah. because we're not, we, we don't even know all of the history of the Native sure. Americans that were here and all the stuff that was going on with them. Yeah, and even pre-Natives. I mean, there's evidence that Chinese people were here 10,000-plus years ago. No way. Yeah, yeah. Donut shops. No, I don't think they had even laundromats back then. Um, I think uh, the, uh, the the history of Europe, though, is like to me, it's one of the more unique uh, and, and and fascinating aspects of, of human cultures. How much is written down about? Over they the last... were one of the first societies to really, you know, to to grow in in, in a modern sense. Versus, uh, you know, it it, it just Chinese takes the... as well, right? Chinese, well, the Chinese had the an amazing amazing right? empire of themselves. So the idea of the Chinese coming to America, not in, not a stretch in any sake of uh, of the thought, or the, how there was a lot of these south, some of these Southeast Asian countries. Their first real introduction to big civilization was China dropping in and saying, "Hey, what's up? Yeah. Well, you're going to be a pre- you're going to be like a little subsidiary of us." Like Vietnam, a lot of the the red and gold uh, is incorporated into everything that they do is left over from from China because China was down there way back in the day wow. way before the French way before any of them and gold and red are, are considered uh, you know fortuitous and, and special colors in, in Chinese culture wow that's interesting so they're just running around looking for spices and shit well, and China also uh, people what, what, what amazes me is how the Middle East uh, was similar like China they had uh, higher learning and knowledge and language and things that that help a civilization to grow in terms of uh, technology, right away. You know, they they had developed um, methods for for forging bronze weapons, and in fact, they were some of the first 
cultures to, cru- to come up with crucible steel, which is a high carbon steel for making swords, which were more flexible, sharper, less brittle. You know, and then you had math, all this math and geometry and all these, these fantastic empires and warrior cultures and all this thing. And, and, and then at some point, boom, it all gets reduced to third world. Wow. That's madness, isn't it? Well, it is. You know, you look at Iran, well, the Persian Empire, the Turkish empires, and all this, you know, and they were still, those were Muslim empires still. But yet, you know, these countries like Afghanistan or um, uh, some of the other ones where, you know, they, they took on a very heavy um, uh, ideology shift towards towards Islam, a very, very much, much more... Uh, um, you know, a forgiving line. one, and then it changes the entire landscape to, a, you know, everything seems to go back. Forgiving in what way? Uh, what do you mean? Wait, for Afghanistan took on a more forgiving? No, unforgiving. Unforgiving. Yeah, you oh, know, okay. very, very hard-lined in the way that hard-lined. they... that they. Uh, I thought you said forgiving. I was in confused. the way how they wanted their culture to be, to exist, to yeah. present, you know, and, you well, know, there's, I think we talked last time about how there was, there was, there's pictures of uh, of Afghanistan with with western ideal type western idea type cultures i mean of, of course i believe it's probably been a, a muslim country for as just as about as long as it's actually been afghanistan for the most part but uh you know there was a massive culture shift in terms of you know women with education and and your state of dress and and things that would be allowed well there was a fantastic episode of hardcore history the dan carlin podcast where he talked about the mongols invading iraq mm-hmm. and invading baghdad and killing literally everyone killing everyone in the city filling the rivers with all of the 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 um works of literature all their maps mm-hmm. uh, everything they've written this like the river ran black with ink and red with blood was how they described it and they, they sacked baghdad and killed everybody and this is in the 1200s and they said that today it hasn't recovered uh, like baghdad at one point in time was the cultural center of civilization sure. i mean that was the birthplace of that's ancient sumer that's where well, i guess that's six thousand plus years ago the mongols yeah. messed that motherfucker up it really might be i never <laughs> considered it until I listened to his podcast, but he basically said they killed over a million people there. They killed people. The Mongols were so fucking gangster. They would kill everyone in a city. Then they would leave, and they would come back two weeks later when they knew that you'd be cleaning up Mm -hmm. and coming out of hiding and trying to bury your dead, and then they would kill everybody else. Damn. They didn't fuck around. They would do, they would double tap back in the 1200s, <laughs> and, and you know would. people thought the Romans were so bad, you know. But at least they brought technology with them. Same with the Muslims back. You yeah. Know? Well, they said that the the thing that the Mos- the uh, Mongols did was they opened up trade routes and they they broke up these you know lethargic empires by killing everybody. Well, yeah, you know through through destruction you can create, right? Well, there's a Nile song called that as he creates so he destroys. Well, that's also like in correspond I mean, it actually has a connection, it bears a connection to Nazi Germany because Carlin was talking about how there's this sort of revisionist history that long after the fact there's some people that come up with positive traits that they attribute to the Mongols. Mm-hmm. And one of them being that they had religious tolerance. Mm-hmm. They didn't give a fuck what what you believed, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, just give us your money, and you don't have to give... A, we don't give a fuck what you believe. We want money, and we're going to fuck all your women. Like, they, they leave out all, conveniently, all the rape and murder, mm-hmm. and they talk about religious tolerance and the fact they didn't tax the poor. You know why? The poor don't have any money. No. So just steal it from the rich. Right. You're stealing plenty. Don't worry about the poor, and don't worry about what someone fucking believes in. And so this revisionist history has also, like, it's shed nice light on the Mongols. And the Mongols killed somewhere around 50 to 70 million people, according to Carlin. 
That's a lot of fucking people. Over the course of Genghis Khan and his son's lives, mm-hmm. somewhere between 50 and 70 million. Well, the thing, thing it, the, the truth of it is that <laughs> good or bad, massive change creates change. It just yeah. does. You know, even, even a really incredibly horrible thing is often the catalyst that can create the, the, the next step for potentially something good to even come of it. Much because like it mirrors we, our own lives, right? Well, yeah. Well, we're... We're uh, we're we're static creatures, and when we can get away with with expending the least amount of energy, we will. Yeah, and when we have, we're forced to change. Oftentimes, we grow. Yeah, and you know, it's not that it's good that the Mongols did what they did, but because of that, things moved along in a different way. And what he was saying was, how long is it going to be before someone makes that same analogy about the Nazis? How long is it going to be before someone comes along and says, well, here's what's good about World War II because it united Europe and this and that, and they got rid of an evil dictator and mm-hmm. blah, 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 and comes up with good reasons why that all happened? I don't know. I don't think our society as a, as a at large, especially any of our uh, supposedly you know, um, more, more advanced, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, uh, with all the media sources, and I don't think we can allow to ever look at anything entirely objectively. And it, whether we could say this is ninety percent bad, ninety mm. percent bad, whatever this thing is, but look at this ten percent to to say that that ten percent wasn't good or that wasn't didn't do you know wasn't so horrible. No, it's right. like no, you can't do that. It's, it's all it's, bad. No, it's all emotional, and that's it. Yeah, you I know think what? what they're saying is like a few hundred years from now. You know, after like right now, it's too fresh. Too many mm-hmm. people are actually still alive that were in concentration sure. camps that lost their grandparents and what have you. But in the future, I, I think people have a hard time uh, trying to to understand that there is a, a there's a distinction between you know just because you can say that that one thing is bad that all of this is bad, but there is one that that doesn't erase it doesn't change the what things are simply say, stating something for, as a truth mm-hmm. doesn't make it. Any less of what it ever was. Any less evil. No, yeah. it doesn't. Doesn't make bad things not bad. It doesn't make good things not good. You just you, you just tell it like it is. Yeah, Terrence McKenna had a really interesting um, thought about the twenty first or the twentieth century, like the most science fiction moment in the twentieth century. He's like, wasn't really even the internet. The most science fiction moment of the twentieth century was during World War Two when. This man who wanted to engineer a master race was shooting rockets into Europe. And, you know, London was getting hit with rocket fire from yeah. these Nazis, these evil people who want to create a master race. Like, that's right. very Orwellian. Super science fiction, yeah. Super science fiction. You know, this idea of engineering a master race and rockets. Eugenics yeah. and, and, and creating, you know, all those crazy amounts of... Te- I mean, the technology that the, uh, that the, the German army came up with back then, a lot of it was the, you know, just from a, a military standpoint, the things that came from the Wehrmacht are all littered throughout modern combat as it exists, as things are designed, the idea of specialized troops and and special forces. And the, the AK-47 came from um, Sturmgewehr 44 assault rifles being left in in Russia because, I mean, these guys are just getting trounced and they're freezing to death. And, you know, we just got to get the fuck out of here. We don't care about this rifle anymore. But it was a stamp steel rifle. It had a curved magazine. It had a thirty caliber bullet that was shorter, and it was designed. To, it's everything that the AK-47 is is exact is the STG-44. They found them, disassembled them, 
re re uh, reverse engineered it and and made some adjustments and then boom the AK-47 exists because of getting into conflict with Germany back in the day. I'm it, not surprised at all. Well, you know what we the idea of of a cheaply created you know stamp steel versus machine steel. Uh, a lot of the the German stuff to begin with was all machined. It was very high you know tight tolerances and and very very perfectly designed which is great unless something breaks or you have to change something or you end up out somewhere like oh well hey my buddy's is is on the fritz and you got an extra one how about we no things don't really match up so well and and, we, and it takes longer to produce it and more expensive so at some point you go from making you know the mg uh 30 uh 34 which is all these machine parts and all this stuff to making the mg42 which is all stamped steel uh, you can replace the barrels more easily because they heat up after a high rate of fire. You know, you can do, and you can swap one to the next to the next. You have this interchangeability, and you can produce that much more of them. Wow! You know, and it's just a, it's just an engineering thing. And while it was used for weapons, it's something that I have no doubt that it has followed throughout the rest of industry as an idea. Anyways, Germans were incredibly innovative. BMW used to make engines for fighter pilots or mm -hmm. fighter planes. Rolls Royce did a lot of that too. Yeah, and we used them over here in America. Supercharged them. Incredible. He Hitler had an an ancient fucking. I, I want to say it was a Mercedes, an ancient mm -hmm. race car. No, it was a Volkswagen Beetle. No, 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 well, he no, no. That, that was his. Yeah, but there was a race car, yeah. Hitler's race car. I want to say Audi, but did no, you know he was a he was a he then. was an architect or an amateur architect? Yeah, really amazing artist. There is a book on the uh, on the architect of the of the Third Reich, and it's it's crazy because even the way they wanted to design buildings had a, a social purpose, like say creating structures that were so monolithic and oppressive that would make you think that you could never be bigger than the state itself Ugh. you know and i mean these things are pretty impressive and some of them were actually built but of course throughout the history of war of the war they were bombed and destroyed and all that but it's just you know it, it the idea that your environment can control your populace and that's a, a true thing all the way to casinos i mean yeah. the way the place is designed and the the colors and the designs and the carpet are all supposedly supposed to make you feel certain ways and that will encourage you to gamble and keep you in there longer that's so weird ah, google hitler's audi race car yeah it was it was an audi apparently uh audi is auto union oh yeah and it's been around since the nazis and uh hitler had this fucking dope ass little race car nice. <laughs> it's really wild looking man and especially when you consider it's from the 1940s i guess when you're a little maniacal fuck like no, you'd just want look, a little, look up you'd hitler's want, you'd that, want a race car hitler's car yeah there's photos of the actual hitler car yeah the maniacal fuck would want an awesome race car yeah of course but their engineering was so off the charts the stuff that they were building back then they, you know, they. That's it. That's the car. I mean, how dope is that fucking thing? Damn, it looks like like a fuselage to an airplane. It looks awesome. I mean, that's something. If you saw that drive down the street today, right. you'd be like, "Holy shit!" Oh, we got shit. a straight, straight eight cylinder in it or something with a turp with a supercharger and low to the ground, yeah. small, lightweight, probably fucking flies. And if you compare that to, uh, you know, like other cars, like a '55 Chevy, ten years later. Mm -hmm. That stupid-looking fucking box of shit. <laughs> Check out uh, upskirt up of Hitler's girlfriend. It's totally oh yeah, yeah. it's totally way <laughs> easier to bang broads in the back of a '55 Chev though. 
Yes, tough to bang chicks. But if you're gangster enough to drive a car like that, you fuck her right in the hood. And if people watch, they watch. <laughs> you don't even care. You're right, Hitler. you're like, look, I just had this polished. You can see your reflection. That's Hitler's gal? Hitler's tit, girl. Wow. Hitler's a vegetarian, you know. Was he? Yep. <laughs> there you go. Fucking creepy asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it was a 1939 Auto Union D-Type. Hmm. That's the car. Fucking wild, man. Yeah, well, you know, even though the world was at war, it's not like the world stopped, you know? Yeah. Like, things kept kept motoring on. Yeah, it's amazing, man. They um, they actually purchased it. Audi returned it. They, they bought it from someone. Mm-hmm. And then someone had held on to it. It was supposed to uh, fetch over $10 million when it was up, sh- up for auction. Uh-huh. Wow. It was eventually sold to an unnamed private collector. Private collector happens to love Nazi <laughs> memorabilia? Yes. I want to be private. That, Walks around his house with a fucking Charlie Chaplin mustache. Does it, does it have mustache. boots in it? This is I not a Hitler. Boots. This is a Charlie Chaplin mustache. This is not Hitler. Absolutely. Oh, Hitler's girlfriend looks like my mom when she was young. That's weird. They had it fully restored and preserved, though. I mean, the, the, the photos you see of it, it's immaculate. It looks like it was rolling off the factory floor in 1939. It's amazing. Well, you know, good, bad, and different. History needs to be kept so that you can learn from it. Yeah. I mean, just because you show things like this doesn't mean you're praising an evil, evil person. It's fascinating. The, and the Nazis, their their use of technology... Also fascinating because that's so very human, a, a wanted and cherished characteristic, our ability to innovate. It's so, sure. it's so rewarded. We love it. We love that aspect. It's so cool. And to think that that could also be attributed with the most evil, like, totalitarian right. you know, dictator regime. The things themselves are not, they're, they're only subject to the will of the people that created them. Yeah. And, you know, they were fucked. I mean, how does how do both things happen? I mean, how do you make Porsches and Nazis? Well, it's the extreme, uh, the the idea of of, a, of an extreme emotion or an extreme feeling is likely to produce, you know, the, the you know you get these crazy tortured artists, and you're like, yeah. well, how did you come up with this amazing painting or idea or sculpture or whatever? It's like because he's a fucking nuts. That's why because he's absolutely <laughs> insane. You know, that's, yeah. so you take some fucking asswipe like Hitler, who's who's completely bonkers and out of his mind, and 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 then he manages to rally a bunch of people in this crazy frenzy, and they're spurred on by this fucking nutso, you know, concept. But out of it, they manage to produce more. You know, it's like yeah, it's like everybody that was involved in and on a big scale in World War II managed to like rally their their people up for an extreme cause and then do amazing things with it. And, and somehow, I mean, a lot of it was obviously put towards a war effort, but, you know, uh, the America, England, everybody all of a sudden started stepping up their game in, in industry and otherwise. And it's just, uh, it's nuts, but it took, but it was, you know, all from extremity, not from, not from like a good place necessarily. Yeah, it's interesting how sometimes bad things create good things. And you know, it's interesting when you look back at like how united America was during World War II, you know, and how people were, you know, giving up their their steel and giving aluminum up pots and pans and all and aluminum. Things, yeah. and they were like f- helping the war. People wanted to help the, the war. Women effort. were going into into the uh industrial uh sectors and building these bombs and riveting and doing all putting these airplane wings on and you know, it was at a, it was a time where things just lined right up, and they could create that sense of unity and patriotism and uh, a common goal, and were able to, you know. And it's funny, you know, Japan was this also quite insane imperialistic 
uh, entity over there, completely ransacking and raping Korea and China and burning it to the ground and just f- fucking it over and, and to such a level that and that we don't even really go over it in in U.S. in in, Amer- in history here in the United States, versus you know talking about uh, you know, Nazi Germany and the things that happened within Europe. It is practically the same thing, but on the other side of the ocean. So you have Japan being this isolated imperialist country, and then the war happens, and the atomic bombs, and everything that ravages the country as a whole and the people. And then the rebuild of Japan, boom, come the 80s, they own fucking everything. It's kind of weird, right? Yeah, they're like just crushing it, but in a completely different way, like technologically and business wise. And they're just. Not, they're just on top of the world. They're on top of everything except nuclear cleanup. Right, but not so good at that. But what uh, you know, would that have ever been if they hadn't have taken that, yeah, uh, that 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 crazy step to start, you know, trying to be a total asshole all over the world <laughs> and then paying for it? Would they have ever become that that massive technological superpower at the time in the '80s, you know, and made all the advancements that they did? And think about how quickly that took place. You're talking about like 40 it plus happened years. Very lady. fast. You know, yeah. even faster. Think about Korea. So. Yeah, Korea obviously got divided at some point after the war, uh, but uh, even South Korea, you ha- was Korea was a very agricultural country. It didn't really have a ton of technology, and you know Japan goes in there and ruins it, and then you know the Korean War and and the difficult and trying to keep that divide that line or whatever, and and after all this conflict, boom, they start they they get attached to the indu- this industrial this technological revolution, and then bam. Fucking South Korea is this massive giant in the technology industry. Yeah, and a lot of this started off with just a bunch of farmers. Yeah, a bunch of farmers and their land. And it instead of being farmland, being turned into cities, being turned into factories, being turned into industry. And then you've got companies like, uh, well, you got Samsung, which has every kind of department you could think of. You've got, uh, I believe, um, oh, another one is uh, Hyundai and Daewoo. So people may may think of Daewoo as, as you know the little cheese ball cars that they got sold over here at one point, but they make military arms, they make uh, heavy machinery, they make f- anything you can think about. I mean, these companies are enormous. Yeah. So Samsung is South Korea's. Yeah. Yeah. It, that is, that is, it is fascinating how things like that do happen. The the phoenix rises from the ashes. Yeah, and in both cases, you know, Korea. I would say Korea is arguably the Japan of the '80s, and that the way they have conquered the marketplace with their products mm. and with their um, the companies that that exist and how they're taking technology to that next level. Yeah, it really is fascinating. Um, and it's definitely not saying that there's anything good about anything that happened before. No, it, it is no, weird. Korea went through some really bad stuff. They, it, the Korean China, yeah. suffered immensely from World War II. I didn't know about it until the '90s. Uh, someone recommend? No, it was the 2000s. What well, the director uh, Rupert, director of uh, Fear Factor, mm-hmm. recommended a documentary, "The Rape of Nam King." Yeah, yeah. oh, it's horrific. It's terrible. Uh-huh. If you want to follow that up with, there's a movie called "The Man Man Behind the Sun." It's a Category Three Hong Kong. Gore flick, but man, is it brutally shit. Ugh. It's bad news. But yeah. I think that it was probably quite similar to what they really did do. Yeah, it's unbelievable how much carnage took place. It, if you if you try to wrap your head around it, it's almost impossible. It's hard to believe that these are people that just lived 60 plus years ago, mm-hmm. and that somehow or another, 60, 70 years ago, these people were that evil. 
That it's they just. Well, I always I always love talking to my Asian buddies, and I'm like, you guys crack me the fuck up. Although it's not what what you're talking about is not any different from any you know we as human beings love to always segregate and 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 separate anything for any reason blonde hair versus brown hair or white versus black or what it doesn't matter if we can find a difference we will cut a line at any at any given point that's just what we do so i I always make jokes i'm like it's hilarious talking to any asian culture about the rest of asia everybody thinks that their asian culture is the one that's the good one and everybody else is fucked yeah and it's and it's funny from what standpoints they they take it i'll talk to my my south south uh southeast asian buddies and they'll always be like we're cool. The rest of Southeast Asia is full of crazy people. They do crazy stuff. Unbelievable. <laughs> They're all barbarians. And then every other Southeast Asian country will say the exact same thing about the rest of them, you know? And then uh, China is always like, oh, basically you all exist because, you know, we were first. We're, you're just s- stealing or using everything that we gave you from the, from the beginning. So, you know, fucking, you're welcome. And That's then, hilarious. And then they, and Japan and China are always, and Japan is just basically like, well, we're much more civilized and better than all of you anyhow. Where you guys are still essentially barbarians, well, and they, then China's like, "Oh, how are you going to be so high horse when your language and everything came from us to begin with, and we're older than you? So how are you going to look down on me?" And then Korea and Japan have like a whole thing where Japan's always like, "You're like my idiot brother, like whatever," and Korea's like, "Fuck you, dude! Like we're our own people, we're our own thing, and we never asked you to." <laughs> it's it's interesting, but they all they disagree all battle with each other to to a point. In fact, Korea and Japan still have some real issues. Like North Korea still kidnaps people out of boats and stuff that end up in the Sea of Japan or over what? on that side. Yeah, it, there's and and there's a lot of bad blood because it wasn't that long ago that Japan, as an imperial uh, uh, society or an imperial uh, nation, went into Korea, rounded up all the women, and made them whores for their army. Wow. And then went all the way down to China and then created the concentration camps and all those things that they did. And so, and, you know, but even still, Japan is not that country anymore. They don't feel that way. They're not that, they're not, they are not those people. But, you know, in terms of human history, it's really not that long ago. We, you could have, the fact is, you could have someone that was alive during that time that still exists. I mean, you're that, think of how close you are to, to history in that aspect. Did you hear about Japan's new battleship? What Japan? How are yeah. they having a battleship? Exactly. I thought they were only allowed to have a self defense force. That was part of the uh, treaty that happened with uh, after the end of World War Two. Japan Japan unveils largest warship since World War Two. Does it turn into a robot too? I don't know, but it's fucking huge. You know, Japan has un- <laughs> unveiled its largest warship since World War Two to be used in anti submarine warfare and border area surveillance. Surveillance. Oh, I'll tell missions. you where that comes from. Missions. North Korea. Oh, I bet you're right. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. But but I'll tell you what, the biggest, anytime you do the biggest warship at Everest, it always seems like that's always the first one to get its ass kicked. Like the Bismarck came out of Germany, sunk. The the Yamato, sunk. Like they never hardly got to do a damn thing. The coolest, biggest, most awesome floating piece of iron on the seas always ends up sunk. Like almost immediately. Yeah. The sea does not appreciate you trying to float around in it like an asshole. No, and it almost seems like fucking karma. It's well, the, just like you, you run it. You're like, this is the baddest, coolest fucking ain't nobody got. Oh god damn it! <laughs> well, that's what happened with the Titanic. <laughs> what was the quote on the Titanic that it won't sink? It was something crazy. Titanic, only God can sink it. Oh, this is asking for it. Oh yeah, that's what it said. Here, I'll tell you what it, exactly what it said. Um, yeah, this is hilarious. There's an attributable quote. 
Um, oh, I guess it's on Snopes. Oh. Oh, so it's saying that it's bullshit. Okay. Either there's the legend that Titanic was advertised as unsinkable, the press captivated by the ironical implications has faithfully repeated the story. Me too. I just went right with it. Thank, <laughs> thank God for the fucking internet. Prove me dumb. Actually, That's the how you shut White up all your Star, Facebook friends when they post something stupid. The ads never made such a claim about the Titanic or her sister, the Olympic. All promotion almost invariably used the simple slogan, largest and finest steamers in the world. That's it. So Sounds there was like nothing. Clams. God himself could not sink this ship. It's just crazy that we make something now, I mean, this Japanese thing, that we can land planes on. <laughs> it's so That big. is nuts. That are even just, <laughs> have you ever been up to, like, say, one of our nuclear class, uh, our Nimitz class um, aircraft carriers? No, I haven't. Well, I went on one aircraft carrier um, that they have parked in San Francisco. It's enormous. We did a Fear Factor stunt on it. Okay. It's fucking enormous. And uh, I don't know if that was a nuclear ca- class. I'm not sure, but well, it's pretty. We, goddamn we'd have big. them come in all the time for uh, Seafair and F- Fleet Week or whatever up in uh, Washington and Seattle, Bremerton area. We have a big naval base out there. We have a lot of military installations, and uh, it just you, you know being at at the bottom, being on the street down on the waterfront, and looking up at this thing and just feeling immensely small. Like wow, I, one, I can't believe that we ever created this. Yeah, it's amazing. And two. Holy shit! Look at yeah. how much it takes to create to run this, for it to even exist on a day to day basis, for it to continue being an operative thing. Yeah, that's a big fucking piece of machinery. God damn it! How are they, are they, are they really run on nuclear power? Uh, I, you know what? Um, Must be right. I don't. There are nuclear submarines. Yeah. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Perhaps I may be wrong. On aircraft carriers might not be run on nuclear power. Let's find but out. I don't think they're diesel engines either. It's got to be something. It's Nuclear-powered aircraft carriers. There you go. You're okay, right. I was right. The Nimitz class. Jesus Christ. There's 10 nuclear-powered aircraft uh, Never doubt aircraft myself, carriers. I guess. Never doubt yourself, Josh Barnett. In service with the United States Navy. The lead ship of the class is named for World War II United States Pacific Fleet Commander, Fleet Admiral Chester W. Nimitz, yep. who was the U.S. Navy's last fleet admiral. God damn, these things are huge. It's ridiculous size. It is, you know, how many people does it, does it hold on it? Um, it's 1,092 feet long. It's full load displacement of over 100,000 long tons. I don't even know what that means. I think that's What's just if they're aroused. Ton? That's an aroused ton. That's, like that's not a normal ton. Long, that's, not a, that's not a soft, like turtled up ton. Ugh. That's poop. That's, yeah. a, that's a ton with its, its lips curled back. Yeah. Letting you know it's ready to sling some dick. It doesn't say how many people it feeds. Seven. I guess because the army doesn't want you to know, or the navy doesn't want you to know. They're like as many as we say, get in. <laughs> how many are in it right now? Enough. Go. Get in. Time to go. Time to get in. Yeah, it doesn't say. But it does say that it can accommodate a maximum of 130 FA-18 Hornets, or 85 to 90 aircraft of different types. But current numbers are typically 64 per aircraft. But they can accommodate 130 FA-18. Whoa. That's Have insane. you seen how big an FA-18 is? I got to fly in one once. Yeah. It's a good-sized piece of machinery itself. It's an amazing machine. 138 of those will fit in there. The Blue Angels took me uh, on a, um, a, 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 a somewhere near Arizona. As you're driving to Arizona down mm-hmm. from San Diego, you like you drive down to San Diego and then take a left. I don't remember the Air Force Base, but the Blue, the Blue Angels take you up and you know they run you through the canyons and make you puke. 
It was fucking incredible. I bet. But you're only a couple hundred feet off the ground, and they're just flying through these mountains, just turning sideways and banking <laughs> around corners. It was amazing. Make I, your poop come out your mouth? Didn't do that. Um, <laughs> I took seven and a half Gs. <laughs> oh, wow. Before, uh, yeah, I was done. I was really excited because the guy before me tapped out at like five Gs. So I got to seven and a half Gs. I was very excited. But it's, the pressure is unbelievable. The I guy bet. in front of me, they don't even wear G-suits because uh, the Blue Angels do it old school, like manual transmission style. Uh-huh. They No G-suits for these guys. And this guy could go to 13 Gs. Whoa. So he goes to 13 Gs before he blacks out. How do you increase your G-taking ability? You First of all, you, gotta do, you do it a lot, and it becomes like a muscle because you're actually resisting the pressure. All right. It's literally like you're working out. And then they get really good at hooking. You know what hooking is? No. Hooking is you hold on to the, the stick, uh-huh. you know, and you go like this. And you're really literally pumping blood into your head. Like as you're flying, uh-huh. you're hitting the bank, and you're hitting the Gs, you're going... And you feel, don't do that. You're feeling <laughs> your consciousness close in like an elevator door. Right. Like you feel it like clamp Like shut. you're about to get choked out. Like, yes, exactly. Like, but you see it. You see black on both sides. Like you literally see your window of vision narrowing and you're fighting it out. And you're fighting it out by forcing blood into your brain. You could like pump it, like force the pump. And these guys can go up to 13. You it's, are your own Swedish penis pump. Yup, you're your own pump. And the, the shorter, stockier guys apparently do better at this. Tall, long guys are fucked. Like basketball players, they're fucked. It's too much travel. Like a John Jones type character. Mm-hmm. John's tough enough. I'm sure he'd figure out a way to do it. But it's hard to get through. There's so much travel room. You have to force all that blood up there. Whereas if you're like a Husamar Paul Harris type dude, he'd be a badass fighter pilot. You know, big, stocky, fucking strong, short dude who could fight mm-hmm. off the pressure a little bit better. But only with leg locks. <laughs> only with leg locks. He only locks. turns left. Yeah, that guy's got some nasty leg locks. As a yeah, leg yeah. lock specialist, what do you think of his technique? I think it's great, man. I, well, I, and the... I've seen some video of him just rolling at, in general. I'm like, sometimes I think he takes it too far with the leg lock stuff and mm. that his, he could have transitioned to better positions. I think he, he got a little um, tunnel vision on, on leg locks. Mm. I think his leg locks are great, though. In fact, I watch him roll, and I go, he doesn't really resemble most jiu-jitsu guys. You mm. know? I mean, I'm sure he's been through the same or uh, very similar training regimen as a lot of BJJ dudes because the sport – is a huge aspect in, in how you would train and how you apply the techniques. And, uh, you know, that's pretty typical with all things. You know, sport dictates training. But somehow in his head, you know, his unibrow, he just decided I'm going to be more aggressive and explosive and try to tear everything off all the time and I'm going to go after legs. And um, maybe he just had an understanding of physiological advantage and the way he was built and the way he, that he performs naturally. Or, you know, who knows? Maybe he just thought it was really cool. Did you ever see that grappling competition where he's uh, fighting one of the Avalon brothers? Oh, yeah, and he won't, like, he just won't, won't stop. Yeah, he doesn't let go of shit. No, and then, yeah. and then there, he's just like, ah, yeah, friend, it's yeah. cool, right? It's like, yeah. well, I don't know. Well, there's the one where they reset him. Yes, you know he right goes the to lock. the bounty, but he's in the middle of a heel hook, and you, you know as well as I do that's not possible. No, that's not the same. Ready, go is not the same of a real live scramble. No, a real live scramble is constantly in motion. There's never a pause. Of course, and if you pause, you're dead. Yes, and so giving him an opportunity, ready, go, 
you, that opportunity, like this guy has to pull out and you get to try to cinch it up. Ready, go. I you're, would never even let him reset me like oh, that. I'd be like, fuck quit. you, fuck yeah. you, you're fuck you. You're fucking lying. Let me up for a second. We're done here. You crazy bitch. You're not grabbing my leg like that. No. This is not real. That's That might work with uh, wrestling. Right. Like you restart someone in a certain position, but not at a lock. Well, even you know? wrestling, it's a difficulty with the... Uh, yeah, there, there's the the zero zero uh, mm-hmm. match, and, and then they make the flip. The guy starts in on the high crotch, and then yeah. he just bolts bowl, him right off the mat. Boom. Yeah, it's just it's ridiculous. It should be all. What are you feeling about restarts? This is one of the this is one of the things that bugs me a lot about modern MMA. And I know people give me a hard time about this. They're like, "Well, okay. it's fucking boring." You know, it gets. Bo-. I think if a guy can take you down and hold you down, that's real. And if you stand that guy up, I know it's boring if somebody wrestle fucks you and just holds on to you. I think, but if, if you stand not, that guy right, up, but if you're not making an effort to finish the fight, then you could be stood up. But is it possible that you're not making an effort to finish the fight when you're feeling the guy out in the early rounds? I'm not saying it should be very fast necessarily. But I think should you, be constant. You, but I think you know it's like um, if well if you're a trained martial arts professional. And you're in this position of refereeing a fight because you have the skill set available and the understanding, then you can tell when a guy is feeling someone out. All right, there's a little, he's checking things. Oh, he, I, oh, I can see what he's doing. He's wearing this dude out right now. Versus this guy is happy to be where he's at. He, he doesn't want to give anything up because he's afraid and he has, he doesn't have the confidence in letting this guy be in a different, you know, uh, uh, plane of, of attack. So, you, know, you can tell when someone's wrestle-fucking, when someone's trying to preserve a win versus somebody executing a game plan to finish their opponent. And that's the thing. is the, Are they trying to actually finish their opponent? Because the end goal is not winning a fight. The end goal is finishing your opponent. That's that's the whole point of, of the contest. That is the, 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 that, that is what, you know, you don't go on the wrestling mat to win a one-point match. You should go on the wrestling mat to pin your opponent. That is the highest level of victory. If you're only going for the most the, the meager amount that is necessary to succeed, then you're a fucking piece of shit. I agree with you on the attitude that of the approach, but I also believe that if a guy can hold you down, that guy mm-hmm. should be able to hold you down. And that's the reality of the situation. If you allow someone to get stood back up just because they hang on. Different sport. I think if it's NHB, no time limits, no nothing, then just let it go no matter what. No, no, no breaks, no nothing. It's just you versus them and application of your game plan, your skills, your art versus theirs. But as a sport of mixed martial arts and as, as it exists now, you got to have a criteria that you're trying to meet. And that criteria should be like an old pride. You need to be trying to finish this fight. If you're trying to fucking, you know, tell this guy, you know, the last book of poetry you wrote and seeing what he thinks about it while you're in half guard on top of him um no if you're trying to, to keep him pinned so that you can show him your fucking to get vacation up? slides isn't it his responsibility responsibility to get up it is but it's you should know as well as anybody that a guy who is spending the effort into just shutting you down and and negating movement without actually trying to punch attack transition if if he's just in a static position and trying to hold it is much Easier to, to get through to get away with that through a, a short length of time. Let's say you've you've been fighting, you're moving around, you take him down, you got three, you know, two and a half minutes, three minutes left of a round. It's way easier to hold a guy without if you're not trying to do anything. What the fuck at all than it is if you're like, okay, well, I uh, I'm only in uh, I'm in his guard, but uh, I need to start scoring strikes. I need to start you know causing some sort of damage or opening him up and breaking his guard so I can get to his leg. If you're Jose Mar uh anything you know and 
you know, fight that, you know, start in a negative position, a guy locks onto you and all he has to do is hold versus a guy that's actually got to try and submit you. It's not the I same. see what you're saying. I definitely see what you're saying that it's more exciting and that it would be the more noble approach and the, the approach that a fighter should take if they want to be great. Yeah. Absolutely, without a doubt. But I also think that if, if there are stand-ups and if a guy can hold on and then get stood back up to his feet, where in reality a guy could just take you down and hold you there anytime you want, then it's unrealistic if you get stood back up. It is not. Yeah, well, it's it's not a matter of reality versus unreality. I, I think it's it's sport specific. You know, if we're going for absolute realism, then then we don't no, we don't stand up anybody. But then we also don't have a time limit. Yeah, you know, because that's part of the problem is that right. we have a time limit. So if right. I only have to, I get to hold you for five minutes and then go back to my my corner and then I can go try it all over again. Versus, uh, I could hold you here as long as I want to try to, but. That he's going to chill. I guess I'm going to have to chill. And this is only going to go until somebody quits. So as long as you're doing something like what Ben Askren does, he might not finish you, but he gets on top of you and continue, continues to punch you. I'll give him this. He uh, he seems to do the best that he can at finishing. I don't think he's a great finisher per se. He's a great wrestler. So far. But I think that he has – I've seen him fight and make attempts to submit people. You know, He's not a, a giant grounder and pounder. I don't – I don't know if that's necessarily in his DNA to be that way, but he throws and he tries to hurt you. I, I think he is trying to, to finish a fight to the best of his ability. I just don't think that he has the most tools for, for taking a guy out right yet, but he, he does have a very strong wrestling background that he's able to use very effectively. Isn't it interesting how some guys, their, their musculature and their athleticism just does not transfer from grappling to striking? Sometimes, yeah. It it's is. weird. Some guys, it's great. Like, there's guys that, you know, they can strike, like, almost a meet. Like, there's, there's guys that, like, they, they've been wrestling their whole life. Mm-hmm. They start striking at a later age in their late 20s, and then they pick it up pretty quickly. Yeah, you know, Ben Askren on the feet is kind of like that dog from fucking Adventure Time. He's just kind of wobbling around like some sort of <laughs> weird mushroom-induced fucking fantasy. But once he starts grappling... It turns into like an octopus sort of thing yeah. where he's sort of slithering and moving and, you know, balancing and tipping and falling, but where he needs to be. And, uh, you know, Matt Linlin never was a fantastic striker on the feet. I mean, he managed to get the job done often, if, often enough, actually clocking people with, you know, some pretty decent shots. But I remember Matt, you know, his elbows would be way up tall and yeah. you know, punching like some sort of a walking stick, you know. But when it comes to wrestling, boom, he's hammering your forearms and your elbows. He's punching into his his pummeling sh- positions and dumping people on their head. And, yeah. And, it, and you know, he's a great example of that. He did. He, Matt did a fantastic fucking job about trying to evolve as a fighter. I don't care what anybody said. He he improved his striking. He improved his submission attacking ability. You know, and and incorpor- had his wrestling as his base and tried to build on it as much as possible. And I think. Uh, you know, he had a pretty damn fucking good career. Well, he also, um, unfortunately, his dispute with the UFC, like when, oh, it, when yeah. it all happened, came down in his prime. Yeah. You know, it was when he was at his best. Right. And he had had some fights that didn't go his way, like the fight with um, the uh, Hawaiian kid where he oh, actually yeah, knocked himself just, out. And, but they had a rematch. And yeah, obviously and he dominated Fal- Falonico Vitale. Yeah. And then, of course, um, Dave Terrell. Dave, but Dave Terrell caught him in the first round, as we know. In any fight, if you get cracked, you get cracked. You know, it's just especially in the first round when a guy's fresh and he catches you on the jaw. Right. 
but he was a great grappler and uh, he had some really good wins in strike force you know before uh, he fought Robbie Lawler mm-hmm. and by that time you're you know you're getting towards Robbie, the end Robbie you know their style matchups yeah. Robbie and Vitor were bad style matchups for him yeah and they were just able to get off right away right when it can and, and get right in on Matt I mean I think in a longer more prolonged protracted fight prolonged fight Matt might have been able to beat those guys actually you remember when Matt fought Fedor he was taking Fedor down. And Fedor, <laughs> Fedor the grabbed rope. the ropes. He cheated. The great Fedor, and he's your buddy. You know he cheated. He's a fucking great guy. But you know, there's a lot of I th- there's a lot of people that on instinct alone they start feeling themselves. They just what? Yeah. Just... No, I know what you mean. It's almost uh, you know what he and also he's fucking fighting in Russia. Okay. You know <laughs> you know what would happen if Matt Lindland dumped him there and, and got on top of him and armbarred him or something? Oh, oh my god. Oh, yeah, that would have been absolute fucking chaos. It would have been incredible. Matt would have never got out of there alive. No, no, that would, <laughs> that would have been the last anyone heard from Matt Lindley. Do you remember when Mark Hunt had him in a... Um, he had Top wrist a, lock? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was crazy. That was insane. But I think Fyodor also, you know, he had some trouble with some of the bigger, heavier guys. And um, on his back, he, he, was a, he's, he had a very static game on his back for the most part. It was like, explode, and then if it doesn't happen, rest. Yeah. So, I mean, he didn't have that jujitsu creep into a little spot, kind of squirm your way through a you know, different, different fighter with a different modality to where he approached. And so these big, heavy fucking dudes get on his hips and, you know, all right, he's yeah. struggling with it. But as soon as he gets that space... It's lightning, you know? Yeah, he had a, that's why I think he had a hard time protecting himself against Bigfoot. But I think also by that time, by the f- time that fight came around, I think he was kind of done. I, I don't think he had the preparation starting. for that fight as he had yeah. for some of the earlier ones. Also, I think he got, started getting really religious, apparently, mm-hmm. and just sort of lost his zest for the, the competition. Could be. I know that at, at the end of the day, I, I, he's a, a dude that's happy with his life. That much hey, I'm he's, sure of. he's all time one of all time. I mean, I don't know if he's the greatest of all time, but goddamn, he's up there. If he's not number one, he's number two. I don't know who number one would be if he's not number one. And at the very least, that guy never tried to go for a decision. Yeah, you know what? I have to say he has to be number one. I mean, who the fuck else is number one if he's not number one? Maybe Anderson, I guess. No, but I mean, as far as heavyweights. Oh, Josh Barnett, present not company done. Excluded. I'm not done. Exactly. So. Not You're done. not done, but uh, I have. I'd have to. I have a lot to live up to to try and even to to try and make my argument for that. Really, got really, it was a really sad thing that he never made it into the UFC. That would have been fascinating, and him versus Brock would have been in fucking incredible. That would have been for about such thirty a huge seconds. Fight. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think would have happened? Oh man, he just would have just Brock would have been trying to. I'm gonna get in here. I'm, uh, oh shit! I just got hit, knocked out. You think so? Oh yeah, he was got a lot. Got lot. He would feel it over. Just lit him up. Just hands from the hips, going 100 miles an hour. Just he was so fast for heavyweight. When they look back, like the Tim Sylvia fight when he swarmed Sylvia, mm-hmm. just just unloaded on him. You know, Lofsky well, that, fight. and that's the thing about Sylvia. Uh, you, you needed to you need to get on him right away. Yeah, before he establishes his range and his reach and everything. And the best thing to do is get Sylvia punching down at you and just come right over the top, hard and fast. Yeah, yeah, that's um. It's amazing when you think back on uh, on Fader's career and some of the crazy fucking fights that guy had. Yeah, it's easy for for someone to sit back and you know judge Tim Sylvia also based on let's say the last his last three to five five to three fights and and talk shit. But when he was coming out of the UFC and to fight Fyodor, Tim Sylvia was considered one of the best guys in the absolute absolute best guys in the world. He was the UFC champion for who know for for quite a while. Yeah, and if you go back to some of Sylvia's fights, like. The Sylvia, the Tim Sylvia, I still say to this day, the Tim Sylvia that knocked out Rico Rodriguez, mm-hmm. one of the fucking scariest heavyweights I've ever seen in the octagon. That was when 
he was, first of all, he was fucking huge. I remember he had a hard time cutting down to 265. He was really mm-hmm. big and lifting weights back then. Mm-hmm. He, he looked physically like way different than he looked at any other time in his career. And he was just a monster, just charging forward, slamming, pissing right hands into people. He was a tough fuck. Head kicking, head kicked a few guys. Trey Telegman. Yeah. But you know as well as I do that there's only a certain amount of years you can run at a certain amount of revs. And that's why it's interesting that you're still at the fucking top of your game after all these years. I mean, you've been fighting. I saw you fight in 96. When did you fight in um, in Hawaii? 97? Oh, that was uh, 1999. 99, okay. That's when I first fo- saw you fight. I saw, first fo- saw you fight in uh, Super Brawl. And uh, I'm like, God damn, this kid's fucking crazy. And uh, I saw a bunch of your fights in there. And then uh, I have the, I was going to bring it here today. I fucking forgot <laughs> to bring it. I have the laminate from when I didn't even work at the UFC. I was just a UFC guest 28? ringside for you fighting Randy Couture. Oh, 36. Yeah. I have that laminate, man. It's sitting at home. I was going to, I saved all my laminates from the old school well, Didn't days. you do some stuff for the uh, SEG too? Yeah. Then back in 97, mm-hmm. I did that from 97 to 98. But I didn't, I don't think I worked at any of your fights back then. You had already left. No, I don't think so either, yeah. Yeah, and so then um, when you came over to the UFC, when you beat Randy, you were the youngest ever heavyweight champ. Yeah. And I have the laminate from that day. Young, youngest, yeah. Youngest, uh, um, like, uh, weight class champion in the in the history of the sport. There's no one, if you go back that to that day, except you and Vitor. There's no one else. Yeah. I mean, who else is there? No one. That's really. amazing. I can't speak for Vitor. I know for me, I attribute it to the training I got. I, I believe skills first, athleticism second. And I built up a repertoire of skills and, and fighting philosophy and, and gameness from guys like Jim Harrison and Matt Hume and Eric Paulson and Harushi Manishi and Billy Robinson and Carl Gotch and all these guys just giving me so many different weapons and options and all these things. And then I can look into that toolbox and go, oh, well, you know, if if I'm not quite as fast to, to do it to do this thing this way anymore how about I, I i what i do is i incorporate it into something else and i make adjustments and uh you know i go out there and often i don't have to change what i do i just put my basic game whatever i come in there with just throw it right on someone they can't stop it anyways but there are times where there has to be adjustments boom i, I got adjustments i can make i can make an alteration right there on the spot i have more tools that frank Fier- mir fight was a very uh you, you, the, the way you were tying him up it was very unusual. So it's something you don't see. The way you were you were tying him up, but you were keeping him at a distance so you could easily strike. Mm-hmm. It was like it was very interesting the way you were tying up his neck. That's and- something uh, Matt Hume and I developed a long time ago, incorporating a lot of wrestling and Greco uh, uh, upper body stuff, but mixed in with Thai boxing with the mm. knees and the elbows, but with a lot of off balancing and uh, and you know takedown potential, throw potential. At the same and, and using elbows and knees all together, and uh, I know that you know if I ever usually when I clinch spar with anyone, I just annihilate them because if you're just if we're just trying to do just straight up tie boxing, that's one thing. If we're just trying to wrestle, that's another. If I'm using all these different things with judo and uh, silat and all these martial arts that I have dabbled with and trained with throughout the years, I'm I'm applying all these things in different directions to you and. Most people just—they've only got one way at which they know how to do anything. Right. So they're used to a certain variation in training camp, and when you do something mm-hmm. differently, they have to make an adjustment and think. Right. 
they don't have the answer to it automatically like they would. If someone grabs, you pummel under. Right. If someone, there's natural instincts that they don't possess, the natural instincts to deal I with said, certain. You know, an easy one is you get into a, a clinch with somebody, especially, a, let's just say, a straight tie type uh, clinch work, and they, they keep throwing the curve knee, right? Well, you're throwing curve knees. I step inside your hip and dump you. I can either just throw you like an uchimata, or I just turn and spin you on that foot by stepping my hip through your hip as you open up that curved knee. You start losing your balance. You're, you go to catch your balance. That you throw your hands out, and then I just drill a knee right through your guts. And how are you going to be prepared to, to defend against that when you're trying to catch your balance? You know your abs aren't tight. You're not. You're not in a solid position. You're you're doing this, right. and it just takes all the guts out of you. I know. And Frank talked about how I want to use his cardio so bad, but I I could tell you he had no cardio. That already hit him with two or three solid knees straight through the diaphragm. He was he didn't have any cardio to use. He would have had to have found a way to recover. Yeah, that was a tough fight for him. You know, I can understand that he uh, he wanted. It's hard when a guy gets stopped and he thinks it was a, a premature stoppage, but there was no indication that you were going to stop doing that. Honestly, he has no idea what worse luck is bad luck has saved him from because you know I didn't want the fight stopped either, but not for the same reason. You know, yeah. I've I to me that was that was it, man. This guy was going to really see what it's like to be on the end of a, a bad day of Josh Barnett, and uh, the ref stepped in and got me off of him immediately. And he did. He went completely limp in my hands. I need him, and he just fell like someone cut all the strings off from a marionette. How much pressure was on you coming into that fight because you'd been out of the UFC for so long? Uh, none any more than usual. I just don't even give a shit about that stuff. All I care about is the opponent in front of me and uh, and, and that fight. I don't, I don't do anything to, to go out there and, and lose, man. Fuck that. I go out there to go to war and, and be the nastiest, meanest individual I can be. And I view the fight as the most important thing and everything else is if i was thinking about the things surrounding the fight and 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 separating that from the fight that was more that would be more difficult for me to navigate because that's also not necessarily all within my control but the fight what kind of thing specifically oh you know you got your media days and this and what you should say and you know what you're trying to do and uh, maybe getting this sponsor all these different little things that have that are not that are not directly uh controllable by you or... that shit can get in the way right oh of course it can but I, I separate the two i keep them completely entirely separate and at the end of the day i will throw away everything that is not the fight the fight is what gets you what you want you know i always say over and over again if you if there's nobody left alive to stop you from taking what you want then you you can have all the trophies and trinkets and all that stuff that everything is left it's the spoils of war so go out and win your war and then you know, deal with the rest later. So when you head into a, a, a big fight and you've got a lot of media coming up, you just make two Josh Barnetts? Like this is Josh Barnett media guy and this is Josh Barnett train guy? Uh, not exactly. I, I don't ever believe in being anything that I'm not. Right. Like, I don't, if, I, if someone asks me or insists that I, I operate in a way that is not true to who I am, I'll just, you know, fuck you. you can't have, I'm never going to do that. I'm going to always be me. But I realize that there is, you know, some of me that is more palatable and understandable to uh, a, a mass media audience, a broader audience. And then there is a part of me that I just, you know, I keep to myself because it's not it's not a, it's not even really a, a matter of bad or good. And it shouldn't be better uh, judged bad or good by somebody else because they're not the one that has to to live in, with this you know, mindset or whatever. You know, it's not them having to do it. It's me. But for me, uh, it's uh it's hard for them to even understand. 
they they don't they don't live in my body or in my mind or in my heart so for them it's just not i don't need and i don't need them to understand because it won't make any fucking difference it's not for them it's for for me yeah that's a great answer <laughs> i would think that that would be one of the more difficult things is all the publicity that you have to do yeah, don't don't seek to be understood you know fuck fuck being understood you know i don't need to be understood i just need to to do what is necessary and and be the person that i am and and follow through on what i say i'm going to and that's it. Is that one of the advantages of being around for a long time and knowing the ins and outs and been there, done that, and you know, you know what's coming? Yeah, uh, I think so. Uh, experience is always a plus, man. It, it never can do anything but but help you to to have an advantage. And after all these years, do you still enjoy the shit out of this? I do. Seems like you do. I do. I you really, fucking... really, really enjoy fighting. When you got on the scale at the weigh-ins, man. You were so intense. You could see it in your eyes. Like, there's, there's Josh Barnett, like, right now that I could talk to. Like, hey, man, good to see you. What's going on? And then there was, there's Josh Barnett that day. You had, like, you got a whole different furnace going on back there behind the peepers. It was a whole new... Yeah, I, I like, walked oh. up on the stage, and I, I come up, and you're right off the left of me. I just looked at you, and I just... <laughs> and you looked at me like, the fuck? <laughs> I was like, hey, <laughs> doing, man? Good luck. Yeah, you were you were fucking intense, man. That yeah, was well, an awesome I, performance. Uh, as soon as that the fight ended, you know they 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 pulled me off him, and uh, and I'm walking around the ring, and I'm just I'm literally I'm like frothing at the mouth and berserk. I'm not not done yet. It's how not over. Did, is it like a like a how about a Cormier fight? Like when you go five hard rounds like that after that's all over? Uh well, yeah. At least you know we're it was it it was it was different. You know, I I knew I had this injury and. And uh, as soon as, you know, we got out there t- for them to announce a decision, it's like, fuck. You just knew you didn't pull it off. I knew I didn't pull it off, and, and I knew at that point, like, it, all of it was over with. You know what I mean? But right. it didn't feel over after Mir. I just, uh, I felt, I, maybe it was just that fight and that moment or whatever, but I just felt, I, I, uh, it was. It wasn't until Stitch finally came to me. He goes, "Hey man, where's my fucking hug?" All of a sudden, I, I managed to snap out of it, and I'm like, "Oh dude, Stitch. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm How sorry. Awesome. I'm sorry." Uh, Stitch is awesome. I, I just told him, "Hey man, I wasn't here right now." That's so, hilarious. So uh, uh, this is something that I wanted to ask you about because I know that uh, you're uh, you're very intelligent when it comes to fitness and. Uh, there's uh, this article that someone tweeted me. Don't about put a CrossFit. rumble roller in your butthole. No, I heard that's good for you. Really? It, no, Don't do it, that? you know what? I know they say it breaks up adhesions in your colon, but it does not. <sighs> it doesn't? It's lots of internal bleeding. God all. damn it. There was um, this woman uh, tweeted me this article about CrossFit. At the CrossFit babies? Hi- high volume training. Uh, that there's, there's like a really, a, a, a norm, like, a, like a, on a regular basis, this happens. Uh, there's a there's a, a, a symptom or something that happens to the body called rhabdomyolysis. Yeah, it's like yeah. a kidney problem. Yes, it's kidney failure. It's 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 something that happens to people that overtrain. Yeah, you get to a point where you push your body past the limit to the point where you you literally your your fucking kidney vomiting shut down. and going nuts. Yeah. Okay. Here's the thing. I don't care what the what the what type of training you're doing or what sort of uh, body function you could be creating through a detrimental uh, habit, your body is not invincible. Yeah. I don't 
I mean, you might want to do fucking 30,000 burpees with a 10-pound medicine ball in a row, but, you know, don't be a fucking idiot. One, what are you really accomplishing? I just really wanted to push myself. Why don't you go learn how to do something with some skill and ability and fucking, why don't you go do that? Yeah. You know, if, if you wanted to lift the highest amount of Olympic weight in the world to a degree, like, okay, well, there's a lot of skill actually involved in Olympic, Olympic lifting. You know, you just can't be the strongest guy and just walk over and, and, and hit a really successful clean and jerk. I'm sorry. There's a ton of technique. Um, yeah. And because the body, you know, once you can be 400 pounds, but moving 400 pounds, no matter what, is exponentially harder than moving 200 pounds. So, um, you know, if you're going to do anything and take it to the point of an extreme and you're going to continue, you're going to do it on a multiple basis, when your body starts falling to shit, don't be surprised. And so on on a different level, strong men have this problem. And I used to tell my buddy who was a strong man, he was uh, like 6'1", maybe 300 and, 310 pounds. And believe you me, man, I'd watch this guy rep like 315 over his head, you know, just military pressure. Wham, 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 wham. And he deadlifted like 990-some pounds of silver dollar coins in these boxes. And Tim, man, he was strong as fuck. And I used to work out with him, and I mean, there was no way I could keep up with him. But it was great to do the workouts. So, But he'd talk about this disc and this problem and this and that. And I go, look, dude, you know what you are? You're a top field dragster. He's like, what do you mean? I go, okay. A top field dragster, they take a motor and they they stroke it and bore it out to 500 cubic inches because that's what's allowed. And then they take a humongous like 1471 supercharger and they slap that thing on top and they fucking cram as much air and fuel pressure and compress it into these cylinders. Okay. And then on top of that, they take nitromethane, this near explosive substance that is so highly dangerous and toxic. You can't even breathe when it's around you. And they jam that in there and compress it and slam it and smash it and force it into this 500 cubic inch motor to where it explodes on a level that, that no one can even contemplate. Like, oh, hey, your car's got uh, 200 horsepower. This this dragster has 8,000 horsepower. And it, it has such high compression that you have to take another smaller motor and jam it on the end of it to turn this fucking thing over. And then they take this. And then they 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 line all this stuff up. They create all of this, you know, uh, intense and just unreal environment. And then they slam it down a racetrack with this with as much traction as they could possibly give it. So it's all being propelled in one direction. And then they go, you know, four seconds and three hundred and some odd miles an hour. And after every time, they, and it's so often that they break, things explode. Think it's just all the time. And then on a successful run. They go and tow the car all the way back to the pits. All right, that was one run. This is this is a tournament bracket thing in NHRA drag racing. So they, maybe they've got probably like three other rounds they got to go through. They strip everything down on this motor and completely rebuild it back together again because it's only good for one run. Because you push this thing to such a limit that you cannot trust that it's going to stay together another run. So I said, dude, strong men are like fucking top field dragsters. You take a human body. I don't care how many chemicals you fill it full of or whatever. And you get it to the point that you start lifting shit and running with it and doing whatever. to the, to You're like a, you're just asking for shit to explode off of your body, incinerate. It's it just that's just the way it goes because you're pushing it to the to the limits of physical capability beyond what a human body ever really thought it was going to be able to do. And even if you fill it full of drugs, let's say like a supercharging, you know, and it, you're on so much steroids, but 
you know, there's only so much you can do, man. Nothing can can. It's still just muscle and tissue, and and sinew and fucking tendons and bone. Yeah, even bones break on some of these fucking yeah. people. They go so hard. So that's the thing. That's a great. What you just said was an awesome quote. Somebody should put that shit in a video and send it to young fighters. Get them to understand <laughs> your your body literally is like a race car. And yeah. You, you gotta you gotta decide exactly what you want it to do. You know, one of the things I, I it gets on my fucking nerves because I go and I train, 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 train. But it pisses me off that I spend all this time training, and you you think, oh, I'm done with training today. That my my I'm done at work. You know, I finished it in. I clocked in. I told the you know the boss, fuck you, whatever, and left for the day. No, because I still have to do recovery work. You know, I got to see a chiropractor, a massage therapist, or fucking ice this, or blah blah blah. And it's like, God damn it! I wanted to be done. I wanted yeah. to be done and sit around and play my Magic the Gathering. <laughs> And read all my books on Hitler's architecture, apparently, and race, you know, whatever. And no, uh, uh-uh. you're not done with this day, motherfucker. You still, you have to, all the shit you put yourself through. You st- now you have to do something to to, you know, fucking recover from all the shit that you just put yourself through. You're like, it's just ah, uh, tough so, way to make a living, son. So that part you don't like. I just hate that the job ain't when it. You get this idea that you've put in, oh, I did all the hard work. It's like, well, this next part is not necessarily hard work, but it still has to be done. It's like that homework is like, oh, I just really figured out how, you know, this equation works. Well, now you got to go do this homework. You're like, fucking no, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to turn this paper in now. Leave me alone. You know? I get that. Is that what happens to some guys when they get older? They they still like fighting, but they don't like training. Like Absolutely, maybe yeah, no, they don't want to. They don't want to do everything that is necessary. They just want to do the part that they still enjoy, or the the part that they still, you know, get some sort of satisfaction from, and then they just want to be done with it. Like when BJ Penn was working out with the Marinoviches, you know that? I don't know. I do remember that that he seemed to be in really great shape. He but, was incredible. But uh, that was the greatest BJ I don't Penn, know. Yeah. Ver, the greatest version of him ever, like the Diego Sanchez fight. Well, it's it, it really helps when you have, as a professional athlete, when you've got someone that is t- making sure, like basically hand-holding you throughout the whole process. So you don't even have to think about whether or not you're bummed out that you're doing recovery night now. There's always someone there. There's always somebody making it happen, always someone pushing, you know, uh, which is something that I, I, I know about it, but I, I don't have that. I've always been on my own, doing it my own way, taking care of my shit on my own, for the most part. And I've got the people that I have around me are fucking awesome, but I don't lean on them like that. I don't need them to, to handhold me or tell me I'm great or whatever. I don't ask for compliments. I just go out there and fucking push and I'm real with wh- whether I'm succeeding or I'm not and uh, and why. And that's it. I don't need you to tell me I'm fucking great. Don't tell me I'm the champ. Don't fucking feel Come me. on, champ. No, fuck all that. Come I don't on, champ. need any of that. Looking good, champ. You know, if if it's if it's not good enough, I know it's not good enough. I don't need you to give me some bullshit that you, to try and convince me that it is because that's not the way I operate, and um, would, I wouldn't have it any other way. Would there be any benefit if somebody else structured it? Like if someone you really trusted, like maybe yeah, Paulson. Well, yes. Well, see, there is structure to some of what we do, and you know, um, like uh, my boy Eric Hammer always he structures the the training. Um, for the strength conditioning stuff or when we go to the Air Force Academy especially. We were only there for a short time, so we need to make the most of it. And Joel Sherritt were, and uh, and Coach McTaggart, they they work out this whole schedule. And we have flexibility because I'm not a kid. You know, I know how I'm feeling, what I need, how things are working. And so we're all adults. We just sit down and we're like, all right, let's just make an alteration here. Oh, I started doing this drill. I'm like, ah, you know, this isn't going to be that apl- applicable for this fight specifically. Uh, 
you know, we'll go through this, but let's move beyond that into a different direction right now. And, and so it's like, hey, cool, great, awesome. We are, we're all on a consensus and trying to get the best product possible. But, uh, uh, but, but, uh, uh, you know, even with the strength and conditioning stuff, I've done this shit for so long. I've trained world champions. I've trained people in strength and conditioning. I've trained in almost every kind of modality you can think about. When CrossFit came out, I'm like, oh, look, circuit training is a big thing now, huh? <laughs> you know, it's just, it's, it's not, we're, no one's inventing the wheel, reinventing it. We're just calling it a different name or rediscovering things. So I have enough wherewithal. Like, if I'm not down at uh, Hammer's CrossFit Bray doing his work out there, then I have I can do the same workout someplace else, and I will get it done because I'm not going to go walk into that fucking cage, get my ass kicked in front of everybody, and know it's because I I failed me. I hear you, Josh Barnett. So everybody out there that's listening, and uh, you're going to CrossFit, beware of rhabdomyolysis. Just don't be a fucking douchebag, man. You know, put you know wear normal size socks. Well, they wear big socks? They wear socks up to their knees. They do? They're always wearing crazy, goofy socks. It's like a thing. You know, don't buy all the fad bullshit. Just Mm. get what's necessary. Go out there. Be honest with yourself with what you're trying to accomplish with your lifting, how you're feeling. You know, if if someone's trying to make you do, like, super high rep Olympic Olympic weights, then that's an idiotic thing to do. That's not even the way it works. And folks who get this uh, know this, that your kidney apparently will never be the same. If yes. You do get that. So take yourself seriously. Make sure you get plenty of recovery and build up slowly. You don't you don't have to go fucking crazy and kill yourself. Not just because yeah. some somebody else and some other folks in the gym can do whatever workout of the day and an X amount of time and you and it and it almost murders you to do it. Like just you know what? Build yourself into it. Rome wasn't built in a day and, and everybody advances and and uh, and grows at a different rate, and you, you, it depends on what you're coming into the contest with as well, or the you know the workouts are as well. And just make sure that you're you know you realize that any injuries that you get doing this that can be avoided, you're going to feel really stupid about those. Yeah, well, you don't, you're not living life to fucking work out. Working out is to make your life better. Working out, uh, and for me, is not just it's not just about making my life better. Working out for me is to help with my sport. My sport is you know working out this little fucking thing being a martial artist is a massive thing full of tons of experience and hours thousands of hours spent training and learning skill sets not lifting fucking weights how much of your day uh how much are you week like how many workouts a week do you have a strength and conditioning uh two two just two where you really hit it two that have to do that are i call strength because they're they're skill removed they're just simply um you know things based on getting your heart rate somewhere or moving weights you know they're they're this body structuring and building and things like that they're not they're not skill uh related uh, a lot and then i call certain things that i do in the gym as far as the martial arts side that's strength conditioning because i don't care how many fucking frans you do or whatever you're only you want to make sure you're not gassing out in the ring then you have to do what you're doing your body will not take Fran and equate that to throwing hooks and jabs. And I'm not saying it's not going to, it's not going to hurt you, but if you're doing more Fran than you're doing, you know, hitting pads and sparring, it's not going to translate. What does Fran stand for? Uh, I don't know. They name their workouts. They have these workouts, these, these that they've come up with and they give them women's names. Yeah. I had a guy who was on fear factor was really big into it. And he's telling me how great it is. And he's doing CrossFit competitions. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what do you do with it though? Do you, do you play a sport or anything? He's like, no, I just do that. I go, do you ever want to do jujitsu? Do you ever want to learn how to choke people? No, no. I'm like, that's pretty exciting. 
like what you're doing <laughs> i bet it's not as exciting no it's like you can you can you can uh you know do all the kipping pull-ups in the world but if Somebody gets you back. You can't throw a fucking football, <laughs> you know, or, you know, you, it's like, oh, you can't catch a football. I mean, well, how? It's a new crazy fad. People always take things to the next level. Of and course. tell people, you of know, course. you can't do it in five minutes. Yes, I can. And, and, and CrossFit, of course, it, it only behooves them to continue to propagate that kind of mentality because that just gets more people in the door, spending more money, spreading, you know, buying more equipment, buying more things, buying more classes, bringing more people in. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's just fucking working out. So Failing more kidneys. Work out for the sake. Work out to make your life better. Do not live your life to work out. Powerful wisdom what if you, from the youngest ever UFC heavyweight champion, ladies and gentlemen. If you, I mean, how worthwhile can your life be if you're living to work out? Like, you, you're not building things. You're not making things. Sexy, you're not creating. I'm stand in front of the mirror with fucking... Big fucking seventy-two pound kettlebell in yep. each hand. I feel like a stud. They just want to. They just want to jump on as much. You know, hopefully, oh, I'm gonna get so ripped and lean so mm. I can score as much puss as possible. That's what I'm talking about. Walking the beach with your WOD shorts on, <laughs> with toe shoes. Your toe shoes. Oh, toe shoes, Brian. Who is the girl you said? Brian sends me a text the other day when I'm in Toronto of a girl wearing toe shoes, and he's like, "You bastard!" And then he sends me a video of the girl walking around with toe shoes on. And then last <laughs> night, the Hollywood Jesus had toe shoes. On. Oh like, no! Yeah, I'm just I can't blasphemy. Okay, it's, I've got boot blade by toe shoes. Bro, Brian, uh, Bravo, Eddie Bravo. He wears them shits all the time. Oh, no. He wears toe, toe shoes everywhere. I wear them to the gym, son. They're good. When I whenever I go down to Velocity, Velocity, and um, you ever been to that gym? No. Nah. Strength and conditioning gym. Uh-uh. Pretty sweet place. They got like uh, indoor. Um, hey, if you want to work out in them, they, you know, f- fine, whatever. I don't think you know what the fuck I'm packing here, son. Holy shit! Is know. that all from toe shoes? Mm, it's toe shoes. It's all toe shoes. Toe shoes. I'm gonna start working out in fucking Crocs. Oh, you that's a good move. Some, you want to see some massive, massive gains? Who's gonna say anything to you? Some, you know, I, we were talking about those emotional support dogs. <laughs> what? My, my oh, buddy, my God. buddy Justin, Justin Milos, the trainer. This lady brings a fucking Rhodesian Ridgeback emotional support dog to oh the gym. God. It shits all over the floor. The floor is, of course, that rubberized, texturized right. so shit. It ain't coming out. You can't clean anything out of it because it's designed to make you not slip when you're lifting weights on right. it. Just splatter shit out of this dog's butt. Uh. And she and they're like yelling at her. She's like, have a heart. It's an emotional support dog. They're like, why are you bringing your dog? Wow. Apparently, people have conned everyone into yes, thinking that you yes, can bring a yes. dog everywhere. Such bullshit. It's bullshit. You, can't, bullshit. you shouldn't be Animals bringing these dogs. Animals don't belong in the gym. I'm sorry. A gym is for people. I don't need animal feces or hair or slobber or whatever. And I love dogs. Me too. I love cats. I fucking love animals. Me I too. I like them. I love... A, I got a two great, cats and two dogs. A great animal is... is, is a really special thing, you yes. know, and the relationship that you guys create is, is unreal. And I, I am fully for and supporting animals wholeheartedly. But there are t- there are times and places, man, and and they just I, that fucking that scam of of calling everybody some emotional support, whatever, getting that service dog fucking thing on your. Yep. This is. Especially a Ridgeback. That thing's fucking huge. You know, your little (laughs) Chihuahua, your little Yorkie, whatever. Like, fuck off. You're just, you're abusing something for the wrong reasons. And you're just being, you're just doing it so that you can be a cocksucker. Yeah, exactly. Because you want, you want to be selfish. You want your life to be your way and fuck everyone else. Because I don't care if I'm taking this dog into supermarkets where there might be just everybody else is going to get their food. But now there's someone that's allergic to dogs whose life is, whose fucking day is fucked because you had to bring your stupid little dog with you because (laughs) you, oh, it's an emotional support dog. Like you don't need the fucking dog by you right then. Yeah, they're apparently going to change the laws. Thank God. Because the Americans, uh, Americans of, uh, with Disabilities Act, 
these people are bringing these dogs everywhere, including restaurants, hotels, taxi cabs, theaters, and also because the Americans uh, with Disabilities Act, <laughs> these people don't just have to prove that they're disabled. It's a provision right. in the law right. designed to protect the privacy of people with disabilities. So because of that, these cunts have found, and I mean men as well, who have found uh, a loophole, and they're using this emotional support thing Bullshit. that you can get online can we with get, a license right. like that. Can we get grandfathered clause in, though, if we do it right now? Like, if I call home and sign up right uh, now? I don't know. I, found, I saw a famous Maybe. actress the other day with one of these fucking oh, things eating at a restaurant. Actors and actresses are, the, are probably the some worst. of the worst culprits of this whole the thing. Worst. And, uh, and, you know, that's, this is the thing I need is a dog barking in a fucking movie theater or something. Oh, yeah, God. it's also fucking with uh, the Fair Housing Act because these people are able to bring their dogs into places that would never allow dogs. Like, say, if someone has an apartment, it's a really uh-huh. nice place. Say, no dogs allowed. Right. You you lease this to someone, and they go, "I have an emotional support dog," and then this dog shitting all over the place. Yeah. And those are the type of people that would have a dog that shits all over the place. Of course, self centered twats. And that's the men, too. And they just want to make you have to pay for their own fucking selfish God wants. Damn it, Josh Barnett! God damn it! Look. By the gods. Mm. <laughs> Odin's anger yes. is affecting these crystals right now, these salt crystals. More. Joe, did anyone send you uh, that Grand Theft Auto DMT trip? A lot of people think that you had a big influence in it. Oh, I'm sure there's a lot of people done DMT besides me. But it, it, it starts off with this you know, guy, and you're oh, just Jesus. driving around with your, your father, and then he, the kid uh, tricks him into taking it while he's driving, so he starts tripping out. Oh, <laughs> That's the dad? That's the dad on the ground. Tripping balls? Yeah, and then watch what happens. This is the part where it starts getting really Joe Rogan-y in my, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> this is a fucking awesome video. Holy shit. Bigfoot's got him. Something even worse. Does it go? Do 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 Oh, yeah. <laughs> now he's getting abducted by aliens. So the monkeys first, and then the alien ship shoots him up into its spaceship. This is 100% me. These people and me are on the same wavelength. If they didn't hear me, if they don't know of me and know me when they were coding this. They need to start Joe, you're a virus. <laughs> we Let's are just on, put it. You are, you are the herpes that there is no cure for. We are on the same wavelength. We would get along great. If, Absolutely. If they don't know me. We would get along great. If this wasn't inspired by me. Death metal bands, fucking comic people, everyone. You have permeated all of this. Did you see that he did this? Yeah. yeah. The, the alien gave him the, the fucking metal sign. Yeah. Wow. This is intense shit. Hey, this is I would have made this with no underwear, though. Don't be a <laughs> pussy. But why are you hiding your dick and asshole? You're, you're flying through space. You know, you, should, you shouldn't be holding on to your, your vanity and, and your fear and your insecurities. Just let, a, let the breeze blow through. Yeah, let flies 
Let's hover around your asshole. You're flying around in space. What do you care? You're, you're one with the universe. So you go through this whole DMT trip. It's just, it's oh, yeah. And you can get high. And every time you get high, you can hear your inner thoughts. And it's really trippy. So like once it goes online October 1st, all us comics are all just going to hang out at the comedy store, smoke weed together, and it just trip out. <laughs> I've heard that this... Well, wait till this game gets into Oculus Rift. Oh, I know. I've heard that this game is the, the most successful single piece of anything anybody created ever. One billion dollars in three days. Holy shit. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. Like, there's never been anything that's sold as well as this. God bless America. Right when you think the economy's down, you think it's like sold this better than along. Coke? Cocaine or Coca-Cola? Both of them. Both. <laughs> In a day, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's only so much blow you can do. Yeah, I mean, after a while. I, I remember the one time I was offered DMT by a buddy, a buddy's buddy, and we're up in Canada, and he's like, hey, man, I got this shit, this uh -oh. DMT. And he's like, I'm all, uh, I'm like, you heard of it? I'm like, I'm familiar. I've heard of it. I, have, I know some people that have, have talked about it. And like, it's just, the, so why don't we go back? And, and we're all out drinking and hanging out. I'm like, no. You don't want to do gonna, DMT I'm not going to go back and too. start shoving fucking hallucinogenic drugs up my body with a guy that's mm. just, uh-uh. Yeah, not going to happen. It does not sound like a good idea. Going to wake up glazed like a fucking Krispy Kreme donut. Or what fucking, happened? you know, that's when somebody gets eaten. Yeah, that could happen too. Yeah, especially when you're drinking. Never, you're not supposed. You're not even supposed to. He was eat. just too nonchalant about slinging. You know, f us fucking doing DMT. I'm like, that's mm -hmm. a should be taken with a lot more care. You want to give me some of that? What's uh, a fuck a Viking? That's what that is. No, that that's ain't the way you fuck happen. a Viking. That is not. That's you how you him up. <laughs> roofie him up with some DMT. <laughs> anyway, that's a, that's a terrible thought. Josh Barnett, always a pleasure. That three hours just fucking flew by. As per usual. Yeah, as, as life, man. Life is flying by. There's nothing we could do about it, ladies and gentlemen. This weekend, Comedy Magic Club, uh, me and the great Sam Tripoli. Uh, that's Friday, one show. Saturday, two shows. Brian and the great Tony Hinchcliffe, and hopefully not PDC, because I don't want it to happen to him, will be <laughs> at Stand Up Live in Phoenix, Arizona this weekend, or this Thursday, this rather. Thursday. This Thursday night. This Thursday night, 8 p.m.? Uh, I believe so. Stay. 8 p.m. StandUpLive.com. Uh, go to StandUpLive.com or DeskSquad.tv for more details. And uh, next weekend, I am at the Ontario Improv. Uh, Tommy Segura for two days. Ontario, Canada? No, Ontario, California. Ah. That's where the uh, glory is going to be taking place this weekend. It's not happening. It's not. It's oh, canceled. Wait. No, no, hold on. Glory might be happening, but Jerome's not fighting on this one. Jerome Banner was training with us. He's fighting in the one in New York now. Oh, well, this one's going to be interesting anyway. I mean, is it Terrence Bong fighting this weekend? Who's, uh, who's on the card? If, yeah, if the card's still going through, then yeah. I yeah. like it, though. I like that uh, they're bringing high-level kickboxing back to television. Likewise. It's a smart move. Did you go to that um, that Muay Thai thing they had at Long Beach? No, that I didn't. That was pretty rad, too. Was it? It didn't. Obviously, I don't think it worked out enough to keep doing it but well if someone's smart if someone comes along with zufa type dollars and and invests in muay thai the way they invested in the ufc i think it's going to be gigantic could be if you watch k1 like all the k1 grand prix they were so fucking exciting you got to build up the personalities you that's gotta... right josh barnett personalities like the war master josh barnett youngest heavyweight champion ever but when you fight next uh, December 28th against 28th. Travis Brown. Oh, On shit. On that big supercard, Anderson and Weedman oh, and Misha Tate and Ronda shit. Rousey. Fuck I like yeah. that. Yeah. That's a good fight, too. Travis Brown's a stud. That fight with Alistair Overeem was nuts, man. Yeah, you he know, came he, back he was done, for, pretty much, man. He had him at his mercy, and he, he started, he, Alistair blew his shot, and yep. Travis made him pay for it. Tough motherfucker. That's going to be fun. Good luck to you, my brother. Thank Always you. Always fun. 
talk to you soon. I'll see you at the weigh-in with that crazy look in your eyes again. I'll, I'll try to. Avoid <laughs> not much you. will be changed there. Well, you know, obviously we're, we're buddies, so nothing, nothing, no harm befalls Joe. Even when he gets picked up and swung around in the ring afterwards. He's the first guy to ever pick me up after a post. I could tell you still wanted more too. You were looking for someone. No, to that throw was around. Snuggles. That was Snuggles. <laughs> I, I, it was your scent was intoxicating. Yes, I, I, we are uh, deodorant. That's what it is. Right card. It's good. I don't go with antiperspirant, but I do go with deodorant. I yep. know what I smell. No like. antiperspirant deodorant. Squarespace.com, fuckers. Use the code nerd. Code nerd. The code nerd. The magic the gathering got me. It haunted me. Use the code word, excuse me, Joe in the number nine and save 20% off of your first purchase on new accounts. That's squarespace.com and the word Joe in the number nine, all in one word. Um, thank you also to onit.com. Use the code name Rogan and save yourself 10% off any and all supplements. Thanks to everybody that came out this weekend. Um, uh, Thursday night in Toronto at the Sony Center was fucking magical. I had the best time of my life. And Brian Callen and Tom Segura, it was amazing. And then Friday night, thanks for everybody who came out uh, to Second City, performed at Second City in Toronto. It was a really legendary uh, improv club. All right, we'll be back uh, most likely Thursday. And until then, go fuck yourselves. All right? We love the shit out of you. Big kiss. Mwah. Thank you.